Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. I'm your host, Andrea Renee, joined once again by Miss Alexa Ray. Hello, I escaped the blizzard. Yes, you made it out before the bomb cyclone. Well, no, I was, I was stuck there during it. Oh, you were oh, you lived through that's the bomb cyclone? I was late getting back. Yep. Well, we're going to have to hear all about it. But first, Miss Brittany Brombacher is Hello. also here. And Miss Christine Steimer. Howdy. The gang just got off the farm. I don't know why I said howdy. (laughs) Just got off the farm. (laughs) Literally. Um, So what was it like living in the bomb cyclone? It was really cold and I was really sad. Um, (laughs) It was very cold. It got down to... So Thursday... So the snow hit on Thursday and my flight was canceled and pushed out like three days. It was negative five degrees. Oh. So we got where where I was. I'm from Connecticut. We got about a foot of snow... And then uh, it froze overnight. So we had a thin sheet of ice on top of the snow. So when I went outside the next day to help my parents and my brothers, like, dig through it, you had to crack through, like, the ice shell and then get to the snow underneath to move it. And because we live in the woods, like, literally in the forest, it was dead silent. It was just completely silent. Yeah. White. Like, nothing. Just the sound of crunching. Like, crunching snow. Yeah. I love that though. And it was just wind. Like before we started digging, I was standing outside and it was just the wind in the trees and the occasional like snowfall off a tree, just dead silent. It's so great there. I remember living in North Dakota, we would have these really amazing storms too. And there would be times when I would be out late and I would be on my way home and it was like midnight or something and it would be snowing and I would just like stop outside my house before going in and just like, take it all in because it's just like so quiet and like so pretty and like just like you just you have those moments in the winter i don't know is that weird Am no weird? no it was no, very no. Peaceful. I, I love that stuff too and in western washington we used to get a lot more snow and we're lucky this year i mean we're lucky lately if we get like a few inches of snow every year so i we got snow on christmas lot. this year we did and that was incredible and it lasted a few days and then it was gone so i don't know if we'll get any more but i'm talking about like like the six inches of snow that you get and you're like everyone like the whole town shuts down and you're just like snuggled inside your house like those are the best yeah those are the best days yeah that happened on christmas eve in chicago where we were spending the holidays it it snowed on christmas eve uh which was really nice then so we watched um white christmas yeah the best movie I had no idea it was so good. I mean, oh you gosh. hear people talk about some of those old classic um, movies, but I'm more of like a like a, a Home Alone Christmas movie kind of person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a white Christmas really, all really the way. 
No, I loved it. It's going to be part of the new tradition. Every Christmas Eve, we will now watch White Christmas. We're going to swoon over Um, Rosemary Clooney's wardrobe because holy shit, all of her dresses. It's amazing. Yes. Those red ball gowns they wear at the end of the movie in like that big number, I was just like drooling. I was like, I need that in my wardrobe. I have no idea where I'm going to wear that thing, but I want it. We're in college. In college, me and my roommate who we would watch White Christmas together uh we said i was like i'm gonna get married one day and i'm gonna get married in the snow in that dress <laughs> it will never happen but <laughs> oh come on but i that's how much we love those dresses yeah those are pretty great it could happen someday steimer just Please. got you just got to find the right tailor yeah that's all true that's true <laughs> 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 all right ladies and gentlemen <laughs> it's time um it's time to uh to talk about the reason we're all here video games um, video games if you guys weren't following us on twitter at what's good underscore games first off we would love it if you would um Brittany does a fantastic job of running that account i sneak in there every once in a while <laughs> when she's busy which is not very often uh i mean when she's not busy with the business you know what i mean um anyway my point is, <laughs> I see the face you're making, <laughs> that we announced that we have a special piece of limited edition merch. Oh, my God. <laughs> available. Brittany, do you want to talk about this since this is your uh, masterpiece? <laughs> well, first of all, it is called the Seal Bando. Sorry. Hashtag Seal Bando. And good. Good. Thank you to our friend, Hashtagonist, for creating this amazing logo. And it is a heart with the outline of a seal in the middle of it, and you can get it at our at our store, which is what, Andrea? What's our URL? Because I forgot. <laughs> it's teespring.com slash seal bando shirts. There we go. For that Thank shirt you. specifically. But if you want to get to where all of our merchandise is, including um, our salty emoji shirt and our What's Good logo apparel, you can go to teespring.com slash stores slash what's good games and that way you can see all of the offerings that we have but um it's really neat it's cute we have a both a men's and a women's style um i would say they run pretty true to size if not a little big for the ladies stuff but i think i'm gonna have to order it in a couple different colors but (laughs) it's pretty cute you should wear one every day of the week (laughs) and if you're just an animal lover or a seal lover People will never know. It's just a good shirt with a show's affection for seals. Yeah. Well, somebody reached out to us on Twitter and said that she has a bunch of zookeeper friends that would be really interested in oh that shirt. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so I looked at her profile and was like, how does one have a bunch of zookeeper friends? Is she also a zookeeper? That she works at a zoo. Yeah. I imagine <laughs> I imagine it's something kind of like us. Like, it's us with, like, the video game people. I imagine zookeepers have, like, their own, like, zookeeper conventions and stuff. I want to go. So they make they I want to be friends. friends with these people. Right? <laughs> <laughs> How do I be you friends with the zookeepers? zookeepers? Please, someone let me know. <laughs> but, I mean, she's got experience wrangling reptiles. So, I do. I mean, we would get in. along great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't look at a SEAL video now without thinking no, without thinking of you, Andrea. There's a really great one on Facebook recently where they, they subtitled what the, uh, the SEAL was saying. And it sounded like he was going saying egg. So he's like, egg. And I'm just like thinking of Andrea as I'm watching this seal like flop around. On the <laughs> well, I'm glad that forever now, whenever anyone who listens or watches this show sees a seal, they think they'll of think of Dr. Sean Changli. For real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
um, speaking of which, um, if you guys ever wanted to find out about um, Steimer's job as a reptile wrangler and our first jobs, um, you can go on over and become a, a patron. It is a Patreon-exclusive secret segment where we talked about our some of our first jobs. And it was a really fun episode. Um, if you guys are interested, that's patreon.com slash what's good games. Just throwing that out there. Um, but I think it's time. So we get to some news. Now, I have quite a few pieces of news on here. We don't need oh, to boy. necessarily talk about them all. Um, but we're just gonna, we're gonna, gonna touch on some of these. So the first one is Sea of Thieves. The Xbox One and PC exclusive is going to get a closed beta. So according to GameSpot, following a technical alpha in December, developer Rare has announced the dates for its Sea of Thieves closed beta, which is scheduled to take place later this month. The closed beta will begin at 4 a.m. Pacific time on January 24th and runs until 12 a.m. Pacific time midnight on January 29th. Players who either join the Sea of Thieves Insider program uh, prior to December 1st or have pre-ordered the title will be able to access the beta and Rare says that it isn't a sample of the full game, but a tailored experience that offers a true taste of the pirate life. If you pre-ordered Sea of Thieves digitally from the Xbox store, the beta will automatically appear in your game library 24 hours before it begins. If you reserve the game at retail, you first need to redeem the code you received for the Black Dog Cosmetic Pack. Once you've done that, the beta will then likewise appear in your library the day before it starts. So, Arr. ladies. Are you like ready to be to a pirate? We need we'll to maybe hit up some people and see if we can get into this thing. What do you think? Yeah, I. Yeah. So I'm in the beta because I played it late last summer. That that sounds so weird to say late last summer, like that was 2017. Anyway, um, in the closed alpha. Yeah, in the closed alpha, and I couldn't talk about it. Um, but so we had so much fun playing this. That was at E3, right? Yeah, that, that was, was E3. E3. Yeah, E3 um, fired so me much- into the ocean. Oh my god, I was crying from laughing so hard. Uh, yeah, we had a really great time, but when I played the alpha, I had a few concerns. Um, one of the big ones was that I didn't like having to play with other people. I just, because Jason and I both got into the alpha. So I just wanted to play with him, but it pairs you with other people. Um, and the other thing was... Like to fill out know, a squad? Is that what you to mean? To fill like? out a squad, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 sorry. Thank you. And um, this is squads of four, correct? I... I don't know if it was squads of four at the time. I want to say I was only paired with like an extra person, so that would make three. But this was a while ago. Uh, but all the, four of us got to play together at E three. At E three was four. It was four, so it could have been, and the other person was like kind of MIA. Who knows? Maybe they're out drowning in the water. I don't know. Probably. Uh, the other Possible. issue was I wanted to explore this cannon. world, and I feel like I couldn't. I couldn't go anywhere without another ship coming by and blasting me into oblivion. Which is, you know, I guess that's part of it, but I feel like if Rare really is building, like, this really cool, like, world, I just want to be able to get lost in it and take my time and have fun with it and not worry about getting blown to smithereens. Other right. than well, that, though, I really want this game to succeed because I had a lot of fun with it with you ladies when we played. Yeah, yeah that was a, something that I remember from our playthrough at E3 was that we were off on an adventure trying to find this specific piece of treasure and we were all like running around together and while we were on an island and an enemy team came by and sunk our ship mm-hmm. while yep. we weren't guarding it. So like this idea that you have to like leave somebody behind to watch the ship, I was like a little bit annoyed at. I was like, well, that kind of takes the fun out of going on an adventure together. Right. Um, but I don't even know if I somebody staying behind would have helped. Like, what, is one person going to fend yeah. off an entire ship of people? I don't think so. Because of the My, ship is... 
hit, then you have to go underneath and like repair the holes like in the water coming in. And so bail out the I water. Can, well, if there had been one person b- left behind, they would have been able to spot the other ship approaching and they could have gotten into chat, right? Mm-hmm. And That's said true. like, hey, everybody, like a ship's coming, come back to the boat and help me defend. That may have been an option. That's but fair. also like, like my big worry with this game is that it's going to be like everyone just being an asshole like my concern is that this game's going to start and it's going to be people teaming up and just beating up on other people and there's this whole big world to explore like they sunk our ship while the four of us were on an island trying to follow a map mm-hmm. and we were trying to find a treasure so we were we were doing something and then you know people came along and kind of like ruined the whole thing so Brittany, i'm kind of with you on this like I hope there's an option where like, or at least I hope everyone playing it isn't an asshole or at least rare has implemented some sort of incentive for not being the crew that goes around sinking everyone's ship and blasting them to smithereens. Like that's a pirate thing to do. There has to be more than that. I know, but not like all the time. Like I really (laughs) like a lot of the other stuff like in this world and what I've seen. And I hope there's more like there's funny stuff like the, you know, the bananas and following the treasure map and fighting the skeletons. Getting drunk getting drunk like that's all really really cool but if you're constantly worried about other players coming in and like smashing up all your shit like that's a really like that's like anxiety triggering for me and that's probably what would make me want to put this game down so i hope that's not it it's going to depend on how easy it is like when when you guys were worried about the ship sinking i was like forget about it leave the ship because i feel like it needs to be easy for you to like repair it and get it back up and running right like but when it's at the bottom of the ocean like that would be yeah it would be like the world's most annoying game yeah i think (laughs) it is easy to fast travel out of there i think it's just more the idea if you're in the middle of the ocean like trying to get to your destination and then you get blown apart but it's kind of a worrying that again i want this game to succeed but it's we're a couple months out of launch we really don't know a heck of a lot about it I'm sure if we were to go online and read all, or watch all the developer diaries, we would learn a lot more about this game. <clears throat> but, I mean, in a game like this, it's so niche and so different. I feel like you can't expect the people to come to your marketing materials, your developer diaries. you got to push that information out there. Like, I want to know, is there a campaign? Can I do PvE or is it only, like, PvP? Are there quests? Or is, is there a leveling up system? Like, what's the point? And uh, I feel like we should know that information by now, you know? But we'll see. Yeah, I'm curious That's about fair. the beta, yeah. and especially since it's, like, a tailored beta. I'm like, all right. Is that, yeah. are you just, what does that mean? We'll figure it out. I feel like most betas are tailored experiences. It almost feels like they're going out of their way to, like, manage expectations before the beta, the closed beta begins, and I'm trying to figure out why that would be. I think we'll find out. It will all become clear once once the beta begins, which is um, in just a couple of weeks. So, um, I guess we'll have to try it out and, yeah. and see uh, see what the deal is. Let's do it. Um, next up, GTA Online broke. A record four years after their launch. So this story was um, coming from IGN. According to Rockstar, December 2017 saw more players in GTA Online than ever before, although an official player count was not released. Back in November, it was announced that GTA 5 sold 
in 85 million copies and is currently one of the best-selling video games of all time, ranking number one in the United States, according to NPD. The late surge is down to December's Doomsday Heist update, which added a three-act story to the online mode, with each act focusing on a large heist mission. The update included items from Red Dead Redemption 2, including a revolver that once unlocked in GTA will reward players with an alternate version in Red Dead Redemption 2, most likely in its online multiplayer mode. Given the massive success of both GTA 5 and GTA Online, it's no wonder Rockstar is bringing an online mode to Red Dead Redemption 2 when the game launches later this year. It's previously said the game will be an epic tale of life in America's unforgiving heartland. The game's vast and atmospheric world will also provide the foundation for a brand new online multiplayer experience. So It's weird that they're making um, it sound like Red Dead Redemption didn't have an online mode when it did. It did. No, I think what they're saying is that it's going to be expanded from what was available in Red Dead Redemption, right? So they're going to model it off of what they were doing in GTA Online and really making it more of like an interactive playground is what it sounds like. Not yeah, to say cool. that, you know, like you said, that there wasn't something available, but clearly the technology is yeah. so much more advanced today than when Red Dead was originally released. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever make up your own games in Red Dead Redemption Online? No, I never played it. Oh my god. I mean, I played, I played Red it for Dead, like two seconds. The online portion. I played my, a little online. My brother and I made up this game where when he was really small and shouldn't have been playing Red Dead Online when he did because he's 20 now. Do the math. Um, where we you'd, you'd find a bridge and then you'd have two players, two players opposite on the bridge on horses and then they'd ride the horses to the center of the bridge and you'd have to try to knock the other person and their horse off the bridge first before you met in the middle and then if you met in the middle you had to like crash and fight it out. We called That's them horse awesome. wars. Like how are you how are you were you throwing things? How are you trying to knock them off the bridge? Throwing things, shooting them, running so, into okay. them. Okay, so just murder. It's like murder just. Murder. <laughs> horse jazz. murder the horse games we called them the horse i'm games. really horse looking horse. forward to this um i it was just a couple years ago i want to say that i tried to fire up the red dead redemption online servers to play online with some people and it was really buggy but it worked and it was really fun i love that western atmosphere and obviously gta 5 is so freaking successful with their online multiplayer mode i can only imagine what they're gonna have for uh, red dead and i'm i'm really excited Really excited, guys. I wonder if Red Dead will be able to garner the same amount of enthusiasm for its online multiplayer as GTA. Not not because it's not going to be as comprehensive or as well built of a game environment, but just because of the differences in them and the style and how one is a Western, very modern, right? And one mm-hmm. is like you're on a horse. I wonder. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's I not going to draw gonna like more the car people. Right? Sorry, I'm like, going to choke a little bit. <laughs> the car. The I know car. It's yeah, because yeah, there's no vehicles, right? Summer. Well, there's horses. Can't you have, like, Grand Theft Horse? Grand um, Theft Horsey? You yeah, it was more horses? like, you, you're not, like, yeah. modding the horses. You're not going to, like, paint them different Maybe colors. you can mod the horse. Check oh out God. the saddle. Check out my sick grill on my horse. Put a grill on it. They, they really just need to have a horse that's on fire and we'll be okay. The yeah, abyssal right. horse. Oh, there 100% will be some. I think there was an apocalypse horse in Red Dead. The apocalypse oh, horse. Maybe I'm thinking, maybe I'm making that up, but meh. Yeah. Well, Customize we're certainly horse. looking forward to um, checking out more of that game. Haven't seen really anything other no. than a couple short trailers. <laughs> just that horsey, man. Horsey and some guns. But, that's a good um, horsey. It's a good, yeah, good horsey. Hopefully soon. 
Fingers crossed. Speaking of um, things we have have heard almost nothing about. <laughs> great segue, Steimer. CD Projekt Red Cyberpunk 2077 shows proof of life. I found this story over on um, Polygon. So it's been nearly six years since CD Projekt Red announced it was working on Cyberpunk 2077. And exactly five years since the Witcher series developer revealed the game's first trailer. So that's 2013 is when we saw the last trailer for this game, folks. Understandably, fans of the studio's games and promise of a massive open world are hungry for information. So, of course, everyone freaked out. So why did they freak out about? A tweet. One single tweet from the Cyberpunk game Twitter account, and it literally just said, beep. Because it's been like four years, hasn't it? it they haven't tweeted in five years. Yeah, like... Yeah. That's ah. crazy. It's happening. So just as a refresher, um, the project is a story-based RPG experience with single-player playthroughs, but we're going to add multiplayer features, they've said. It will also be open-world, sandbox-style games set in a corrupt and tech-advanced world, and the game's stated goal is to give players the freedom to explore the locations of Night City on their own terms. Uh, CDPR has promised advanced RPG mechanics based on the pen-and-paper role-playing game upgraded to match the 2077 setting. The game's setting, Night City, has been described as a diverse metropolis populated with people who speak languages from around the world. And it's considering recording, excuse me, CD Projekt Red is considering recording every character's voice in their native tongue. And the player might have to buy a translation implant in order to understand them. The quality of the translations will, of course, depend on the quality of the implant, which is kind of an interesting idea. But, it is. Um, remember, all of these ideas were, the last we heard of them was in 2013. So <laughs> forever game, and ever the ago. The game could be completely different now. Oh my God. Um, you know, this is great. I think this means we're, maybe we'll get something at, maybe a trailer or something at GDC, the Game Developers Conference, which is happening um, here in Too San much. Francisco um, in March. Mm-hmm. And then I, I have to imagine they wouldn't just randomly put something on the Twitter account and then make us wait till E3, right? Steimer, do you have any insight? Under this project? I can't talk about anything, so you should ask someone else. Dang. <laughs> so the other noteworthy thing about this tweet is that the trailer was revealed five years ago on January 10th. So it, it had some sort Ooh, of like wow. planning to it. Uh, I love CD Projekt Red. I love the Witcher series. One of my favorite of all time. I'm curious because typically when games have a futuristic city setting, they just lose me completely. But I'm sure C Project Red can have a killer will have a killer narrative in um this game and I'm hoping that'll be enough to hold my interest. That's my only concern. Like androids yeah. and like cities and buildings, like there's just no escapism there for me. So mm-hmm. not that but I are you looking forward to Detroit? Life. I love the sci fi. I am, but that's purely like narrative. It's more of like the sandbox city sort of atmosphere where I have the free my freedom to go do whatever I want. That I look around and I'm like, okay, I'm uninspired. I would have to stick purely to the main campaign missions. But um, yeah. So Brittany, you don't like trees and you don't like cities. (laughs) (laughs) What do you like? No trees, no cities. Hills and dragons and orcs and trolls and that kind of shit. Rolling empty green hills and zombies. Rolling empty green hills. Rolling green hills filled with zombies. And zombies. Medieval zombie game. That's what I need in my life. Oh. Someone do this. Mm. Mm. That that would be scarier because you wouldn't have guns. Right. You have to use like maces and swords and shit. I'm all crossbows. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for this because. Well, like, again, like, like you, Brittany, I don't venture, like, sci fi, like, 
it's either hit or miss. Either it's like Star Wars and you hook me because there's that weird, stupid, weird magic semi weeaboo samurai thing to it yeah. uh, with the lightsabers or you go like so technical and so sci-fi that it's like, I don't know. But the Witcher series, the I, as like I've said, I'm nerdy for narrative and they did such a good job with that story and with all of their side quests, everything, every little thing you did felt meaningful. So I'm super excited to see something else from the studio. Yeah. Even if it's, even if it's cyberpunky. So <laughs> very excited for this game. Those were all my trigger words. <laughs> now I'm I triggered. wish it was I'm called ready. cyberpunky. <laughs> cyberpunky. <laughs> we can call it cyberpunky. It sounds so cute. Um, well, we'll obviously keep you guys posted once we hear more, but, um, oh, now you uh, know, to keep your eyes peeled. Brittany, Google Dead Crusade. It's a zombie medieval RPG. Oh. <laughs> it's like all of her trigger words. Oh, yep. Yeah. That's it. Is What's the name of it again? It's called Dead Crusade. Dead Crusade. It's an Unreal 4 game. Unreal 4. I'm looking. Yeah. And then there's something called Undead Knights. Oh, girl. Girl, go. Dead Crusade is a medieval co-op horror game. Done. It's co-op? Done. Jesus, Done. that's like everything Stream you want. Stream this podcast now. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. This is a great show. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, next story. Changes to Xbox achievements have been discovered. So what's interesting about this is we put this story in the uh, rundown for this week's show, and then Xbox announced new features, but they didn't quite announce what was discovered by Windows Central, which is um, intriguing. So um, Eurogamer reports that Microsoft is developing a new system to track your overall accomplishments on Xbox, currently dubbed your career. The first details of the system have been uncovered by the reliable Windows Central. The discovery backs up previous comments made by Xbox exec Mike Ybarra, where he hinted at something similar in the pipeline. The in-development feature currently looks like it is organized around levels with quests for XP and rewards when you level up. These rewards include loot crates with cosmetic items for your Xbox avatar. Code relating to the unannounced feature suggests that you'll rack up experience points and collect crates simply by playing specific games and unlocking achievements. Now, Microsoft already runs quests for uh, using Xbox via other external schemes like um, the feedback app and the rewards program, but your career would presumably bake a similar and more overarching version of those into your console itself. So the report follows Yabara's tease from last summer um, that Microsoft was working on a way to reflect your playtime and accomplishments better than the current achievement system. Uh, Yabara previously said there's actually bigger, more bolder changes that we have in mind. We can do a lot more to reflect and let people show their gaming history and their status. So I think this is kind of cool. So the um, thing that Xbox announced today was that uh, mini game hubs are coming to the guide and that you can put up your do not disturb online status, which is something that we heard about last week and um, that they're addressing some user feedback about inactivity shutdown options, basically like a bunch of other things that weren't this, which is oh intriguing. Right. I thought for sure that they were going to be like, and we've confirmed it, but they didn't. The All one- they said was, we're excited to return in 2018 with new features that impact the way you access your games and achievements. The one so- achievement related thing they did um, announce, I'll read this straight from the news.xbox.com website. And da, 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 da. okay, in- insiders enrolled in the alpha ring will receive the latest Xbox One system update. 
And with this update, you'll be able to use the next achievements feature in the guide, which enables you to view and sort a cross-game list of upcoming achievements. Easily see which achievements you are closest to and quickly launch the game to obtain them. Sort filters allow you to prioritize next achievements by closest, most common, rarest, most common, rare, and highest gamer score. Huh. Eh. I mean, I don't care about achievements, but I'm sure yeah. if you're someone like Stemalot over here who probably likes achievos. I mean, I, I like them, but like, I'm not going to do that. You don't care. I mean, I've, I've cared less as I've gotten older. I cared a lot. If, <laughs> yeah. you'd, if you'd told me this like five years ago, I'd have been like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with uh-huh. you. I'm with you, Steimer. I, my gamer score was a big, um, point of pride for me during the 360 era. I loved getting as many achievements as possible. Um, to the point where I didn't even know what the trophy system was on PlayStation because I was all about the Chivos. Um, but now, um, that I'm more in the PlayStation ecosystem, I don't feel like I'm as attracted to trophies as I was to gamer score. And I'm not quite sure why. I think it's th- because I like the idea of all of my progress being cumulative and that my gamer score is a total sum of all of the achievements across all of my games instead of getting individual trophies per game. I know you can, like, at the top of your profile or whatever, counts all of your trophies, but I don't know. It just didn't, didn't have the same feel to it. Yeah, no, I agree. When, but then again, I also did the thing where I was on 360 for a really long time and then started switching over to PlayStation. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, and I wonder if trophies killed it for me. Like, I mean, I, I still have a lot of trophies, but... It's or just or it's just age. I don't know which it was. I can't. I can't. <laughs> We're all old now. I don't know. Something I'm looking forward to, and it's a really simple thing, and I'm surprised that hasn't been done, is the "do not disturb" feature. Because when I why are you looking forward to that? Um, because back in the day, she likes I, to hide from us. No, no, no. Back That's in the true. day, I gave out my uh, gamer tag just publicly, which is fine. But it became to the point where when I would sign on, I would be hit up with, you know, like half a dozen requests to play a game or I'd be in the middle of a cutscene, and a notification would pop up. So I would turn off the notification, but then I felt bad because I felt like people thought I was ignoring them. And so, you know, there are times when, no, Steimer, don't point <laughs> at yourself. You're ignoring us. <laughs> Girl, no. Um, so I'm just looking forward to it so people know. It's like, I'm not purposefully ignoring you. It's like, it's not that I don't want to, like, chat with you or it's not that I don't appreciate the gamer invite. It's just, like, right now she I'm in the is. middle of, like, a single-player campaign narrative thing and I just don't, I'm not online to play with other people. That's all. It's a nicer way of, like, you know, doing it. That makes sense. You're so nice. I just ignore people. You're going to be like that person who would always be logged into AIM as invisible. And you're like, what's yep. the point? Why are you even here? Brittany is exactly what she's, she's never going to take the do not disturb sign on. No. Nope. She's going to put that sucker on and it's never coming off. Assholes. Y'all are assholes. But I love you all. <laughs> We're not assholes, Britt. We just are desperate for your affection. Okay? We really are. Why do you like We're us? starved over here. Well, no, I kind of get it because I don't like playing with people either, but still. Well, <laughs> we, well, when Destiny 2 came out earlier this year, we intentionally were trying to fire last team year. up. Oh my gosh, it is last year. It's 2018 now. <laughs> um, we were intentionally trying to play together and we couldn't send her, we kept sending her messages and PS, uh, party invites and, and we were text texting messages, dead and Facebook world. messages. <laughs> yes. Mea culpa. Exactly. We did not try smoke signals or a raven. See, that's time. why you didn't show me that you wanted my affection. You got to try harder next time, Stammer. Get a get, you got to get a pigeon. Yeah, get get a pigeon. Pigeon. I was gonna go with a raven because a raven. You can cooler. name it Peeper. Oh my god! Pay attention to that. 
That's true. If we sent a pigeon with a with a name tag that said Peeper, she'd that would never be it. our side. She'd be like, I'll make Peeper. sure you don't die, Peeper. They figured it out. <laughs> My secret has been exposed. Okay, so for the last um, bit of news to chat about, um, this is kind of an interesting one. So not really like a newsy story in the traditional sense, but the IGDA conducts an annual survey and they found some, um, some, I don't know if troubling is the right word. Right word casually upsetting. It's yes. casually upsetting. Yes, it, it it is casually upsetting, but also worth discussing. Um, they found that diversity is not increasing in game development. So according to a 2017 developer satisfaction survey, which is done every year by the nonprofit, the International Game Developers Association, it found 81% of developers feel diversity in the workplace is important, but most of them don't believe the industry has become any more diverse in the past two years. A large percentage of game developers are white or multiracial with white, 71%, according to the IGDA, and a disproportionate number are men, 79%. 86% of those are heterosexual and most are married or in long-term relationships without children. Among those that work for companies with diverse equality policies, only 56% said that those policies were adequately enforced. When asked what the industry needed to do to succeed in the future... About one-fifth of the respondents said more diversity in the games it produces is a priority, the second most selected option after advancement in game design. The IGDA also highlighted some of its findings around job insecurity, too. Nearly 40% of the developers expect to be at their current employer for three years or less, with one-fifth saying they didn't know how long their current job would last. 27% of the developers have worked for three to five employers in the last five years, with the majority of respondents having spent less than 10 years years in game development as a whole. Now we're seeing, um, according to uh, Jen McLean, the interim executive director of the IGDA, she said, we're seeing high rates of turnover and concerns about job stability. Combined with the lack of support for equality and diversity in the workplace, these results confirm the IGDA's belief that the organization must act to help game development create fulfilling, sustainable careers. Developers were also asked which company uh, was most desirable to work for as a sidebar. Uh, for the first time in four years, which company do you guys think won? Blizzard. Well, I mean, I we, we see it. Like, we can see it. On- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to I didn't look. I, I didn't look. Am I right? the audience a beat, a beat to think of an answer. But yes, it's Blizzard. Blizzard Holy won. shit. It's because Overwatch. Overwatch, that... Freaking Overwatch Bank. Interestingly, the Bank the, of Overwatch. They won for the first time in four years. Um, I'm sorry, let me read this better. For the first time in four years, Blizzard beat out Valve for the top spot with I 8% of the vote. Valve took second place with Nintendo coming in third and Bethesda coming in fourth. Well, Valve only makes one game and it's Dota. Um, they I don't know. Left for dead. I mean, they, sometimes they also have they also have Team Fortress, right? But like, when was the last time Valve put out a new game? Yeah, I mean, they're they're more of a platform service now, right? Right. True, but but they also Blizzard, have they like, also have uh, CS:GO. Yes, that's not new. <laughs> for a it's second, not, it's not ever, new, it's not it's new, not like but it's actively sure. it's actively played by right. millions of people. Right. Well, I feel like like Blizzard won because one like. Overwatch is not only like incredibly popular and everybody loves it, so everyone wants to work on it. And two, that game also has so much representation in the actual game. I can't imagine that that team isn't like diverse as heck. 
So I can see why it's been an, an attractive get or an attractive move for a lot of people. Also, like they're hiring like crazy. I opened my Facebook two days ago and like 10 of my friends now work for Blizzard in some capacity. Like, yeah. Yep. Blizzard uh, t- taking everyone. Taking all those people. <laughs> they're just like, here, all of my children. <laughs> Come. Think of Overwatch. Everybody. I don't know. It's not just Overwatch, but yeah. No, no I, I know. All of their shit's pretty successful. But like Overwatch has that kooky, crazy, amazingly, uh, amazingly dedicated and rabid fan base. So they're like in the spotlight. Well, and it's, it's particularly at the forefront right now because you've got Owl starting up the Overwatch World League, which, um, is getting a lot of attention from a lot of people. Um, I think Overwatch is going to hopefully be a good jumping off point for people who weren't previously interested in esports to maybe take a look at the competitive uh, professional video game scene. I know that I have talked about how I thought it would be great for a game like uh, Rocket League to maybe be that gap, that bridge where people could say, hey, I understand that game. It's just like 3v3. It's cars playing soccer, right? That's an easy game to follow. Overwatch is not as easy to follow. <laughs> There's quite a few things happening on screen, but it's not StarCraft, right? It's it's not something that is so intricate like like RTS or like a MOBA, like Dota or League, where there's just so many moving parts happening at once that it's just impossible to follow uh, if you don't play the game at all. But I would think um, CSGO is a better. Like CSGO is pretty straightforward. True. Like one team wins. Great. Easy. <laughs> Didn't have to think it's about def- it. It's definitely easier to follow. I just find it a little repetitive. Sure. Sure. I, I think the only reason Overwatch doesn't feel repetitive, though, is because there's so much visual flair and so many exactly. different characters. But that comes with the when you add that com- layer of complexity, then that's also the barrier at some point. Right. Because we were like, what is that? What did that per- did that person freeze someone? What's going on? She has ice powers. What? That's May, right? Yeah. The girl yeah. with the with the hoodie with the furry hoodie hoodie. Furry did we jacket. play Overwatch one time for a Patreon exclusive? We stream? did. We did. Yes. Okay, Slimer killed did you everyone. That? No, I thought you, you played. You played a couple. I didn't. Played. No, I didn't. We, we, I we, because Steimer killed everyone, so we so we just let her keep killing everyone. Oh, okay, because that it was like a blur. It was effing incredible. She was like, I've I was never the- played Overwatch. <laughs> Everyone's dead. <laughs> I was the perfect level of drunk to play Overwatch. Yeah. Like not Overwatch too drunk. savant. Just if drunk you will. enough to be like, I got this, and then I was good. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> it was fun. We'll have to we'll have to pick it up again. Um, well, that's gonna wrap it up for our news segment for this week. When we come back after the break, uh, we'll have some hands-on impressions. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I have made good on my promise and made a game that I told Alexa Ray that I was going to play. And then after that, don't forget, The Life is Strange Before the Storm, episode three, spoiler cast. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Everybody, this is the What's Good Games podcast. Um, so we have been playing some video games. Steimer <laughs> has been doing some adult life things, like how dare you relearning to play her flute? How's that what? been going, Steimer? 
It's been going better than expected, actually. <laughs> Can we start a band? Did you play before you picked it back up? Uh, like four and a half years-ish. Um, and yeah, and so I, I took my flute back or back here with me from home. Had my dad like take it off the top shelf. I was like, I can't even reach it. It's so far away. Um, it's a little tarnished. It's a little, it's a little rusty, but I relearned the B flat scale successfully and relearned part of a song that I had been teaching myself by ear. Like I just have a clip of a song in my head that I think is from Sailor Moon. Yes. And yes, I, I cannot figure out what the actual melody is. I actually went searching on YouTube like, the other day just down the rabbit hole trying to find this friggin song couldn't find it so maybe i don't know i'm I'm trying to learn it enough so that i can put a portion of it on twitter and then have twitter help me figure out what the song is that's awesome what what you don't hum it it? you don't have the clip of the song no it's in my head can you hum it no i'll do it for you not on podcast because i probably probably know you're putting her under pressure i own every every sailor moon like character image song and soundtrack cd i can probably help you figure out what that song is. yes girl all right (laughs) sailor moon nerds figure that out amazing i'm not surprised whatsoever but let's start a band you play flute i play piano Brittany, what do you play i played the clarinet in fourth grade okay clarinet (laughs) I played both the French horn and the viola. So, oh so we'll have like, we can either have like a, like a bunch of wind, woodwind instruments and a piano or I'd prefer to go with the horn. It would be right. easier to pick up because let me horn. tell you, learning strings is really difficult. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. What's so, name, so Steinberg? the next time, the next what? time someone contacts us on Spotify about our songs, we have a song ready to go. <laughs> So, so the the inside track on that is that I tweeted about an email that we received at contact at whatsgoodgames.com. Of course, you guys can email us there. It's our public email address, and we sometimes will get people reaching out to us wanting to work with us on certain things. And sometimes we get these very, like, boilerplate emails from companies, which are, like, super obvious that it's just like they swapped out the name and we're part of some kind of mailing list. <laughs> And uh, let me actually see if oh I can, god, I saw I can that. pull it up right now. It, it I saw was that so I was like, oh my god. Um, it came from a woman who I won't call out, but um, <laughs> she works for a company. Oh Didn't gosh, she so message us through SoundCloud? No, she was found us on SoundCloud. Oh, that's what it was. That's right. Yes, no, it was. It was a message through oh. SoundCloud. Well, then I don't know what I'm talking yeah, about. It was like it was like. It was like we 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 took a look at your songs and I'm like what? Oh my god! Our, our songs? Like what songs are you talking about? Oh songs yeah, that here we it sing. is. Okay, it says, "How's it going? What's good gains? I was just surfing through SoundCloud and I found your page. I heard a few of your songs. It was really surprised. I'm actually a talent rep for blank blank blank, and I'd like to help you get your page greater exposure. This could be a great chance for you to grow your following. Shoot me an email and we could talk more about this." Never see. Oh, Maybe so I really want you. The to last seal prize back. is going to be our <laughs> first song. The last seal prize. And be like, so we have a couple seal demos. <laughs> Never see it coming. Andrew on horn. <laughs> 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 oh, so God. good. Oh, so good. I think this is really the best funny. idea we've had. I know. Let's we're really in the wrong industry. What the hell? <laughs> Find your clarinet, Brittany. We're doing it. <laughs> okay. Let's go. <laughs> 
or or like yeah let's do it let's do okay. it let's do it i have um one of my best friends has a is a professional french horn player an actual legit french horn player <laughs> um she played in the family guy band um she, i could maybe see if she could bring her horn up so i don't have to like rent one yeah yeah she would and then like borrow it we'll yeah it. let's yeah. do it man. it'd be fun oh man <laughs> never seal it Come okay man. so back Back to the show. <laughs> Hold on. I lost my page here. Um, so, uh, you have been playing, um, you haven't been playing anything besides Life is Strange. I see you finished a couple books. Yeah, I finished Girl in Snow, um, which is a mystery novel about a teenage girl that gets murdered because it's, yeah, why wouldn't I read about that? Um, so that's and- why Alexa's snow story creeped you out a little bit. Girl and snow. Honestly, no. It was oh, just well. more of like the silence. I understand that silence could either be comforting or creepy. It goes one of two ways. Um, and then I started American Gods by Neil Gaiman last night, and I'm already in love with it. That book so. is kooky. What is I that like book about? American Gods. No, I mean, no. So it's about a man named Shadow. Violence. I would, I would maybe violate you right now. Oh dear! Whoa! With my hand <laughs> to your face. I've been violated. Uh, it's about a guy. Is this a workplace harassment? Where is HR? Are you years. HR too? Yes. I'd Alexa, like to file a complaint this. against you. <laughs> I was to tell a story about her book, Alexa Ray. <laughs> he spent three years in jail. He's about to get out, and they let him out a couple days early because sad news bears. His wife and his best friend die on the same day in a car accident. Um, so Yikes. he's sort of like lost trying to go worse. back to um, he's like he's trying to go back home, but he obviously doesn't have a direction anymore because uh, he was only look, thinking of his wife like throughout this three years. And like, I can't wait to get back to her. Uh, and then he meets a guy on this plane called. Well, he calls himself Mr. Wednesday. He's a weird, mysterious character. And this guy offers him a job, and then I assume hijinks will ensue. I'm just, like, at the part where he's met Mr. Wednesday, and, like, he hasn't agreed to work for him yet, so. Yeah. Mr. Wednesday. It's a but really just, like, good his, book. His writing style is really in- intriguing, and I like it. I like the writing a lot. Yeah. Grabs you. It's a book about, but also it's a book about, like, religion and faith. You haven't gotten to, to those parts yet. I haven't yet, gotten to that But it's very, yet. like, it's very heavily about that and when you figure out like what american gods means it's like what like it's cool Say what? Like it's a great book situation it's, what like a mind blown situation yes it's a it's a really really good book and amc i think just finished season one of a show based on it yeah there's a stars show i'm afraid to watch it oh yeah stars stars did it. i only know AMC. that because they ruined the book cover by putting a fucking stamp on it that says now a star series and i'm like i don't care Oh, Can you no. not? Simmer, I'm proud of you for, you know, you said you wanted to do this in the last podcast and you're doing I did. it. I am. I'm Good reading girl. books. Well, because I had the first week, I need to figure out balance a little bit better because yeah. I did the first weekend where I only played Assassin's Creed and did nothing else. And then I had a weekend where I just didn't play any games because I was trying to like <laughs> do other things. So I need to like mix the two together and have weekends where I, I do a little column A and a little column B. Yes healthy i think that sounds like a great plan yes um Brittany, you have been playing a very interesting mix of games <laughs> yeah, I'm, looking at this list. I'm looking at this list going hmm. girl i don't think we need to talk more about zelda because we've talked a lot about zelda 
Goodbye um, forever. But I see that you've been playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2. How's that I going? I have. I'm only like eight or so hours into it. And that's one of my resolutions for 2018 is to get back to JRPGs. Because that, that's like my bread and butter. Like that's what I grew up playing for the longest time. And my unfortunately, girl. I've kind of neglected the genre because they take like a hundred hours and I'm like, Ain't nobody got time for that. So I've been playing, I've been trying to play more. I'm looking forward to Lost Fear coming later this month. So yes, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It's interesting now that I'm playing a JRPG again because it's hard for me to resonate with such like young characters. You know, like the appearance yeah. of a JRPG, like super like cartoony and all young and oh my gosh, the power of friendship will save everything. And it's like, come on. But, um, this game has really hooked me so far with the narrative. It's not all super like, it has its cheesy moments, but there, I think there's some deep shit going on that I'm looking forward to uncovering. Um, the UI, like Alexa said, is cuckoo bananas. There's like a million, I feel like every hour that passes, they like introduce a new icon on the screen. Yep. And this is like, right? And it's like, okay, so this is another thing I have to take care of. But um, I'm letting myself just kind of like get lost in this fantasy world. And so far, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, eight hours in JRPG term is like infancy. So like, yeah, I still like scratch. Yeah, that's, that's like not. two minutes yeah, in a normal yeah. game. <laughs> but that's an interesting point you had about like uh, the power of friendship. And I just started to think. Everyone in a JRPG is like 12 years old. Like, and I just well, 14. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, but, but give or take. Yeah. I was kind of trying to think, Alexa, is there anything that's has adults in it? Like, were you? Were like, well, Final Fantasy like an 15, adult story. If you they're want not to adults. Count I guess they're, they're I guess two of them are. Yeah, they're they're, they're like twenty one. Oh, really? Twenty whatever. Like a baby. He's Travis is like twenty five or something. I don't know. The day the day I woke up and realized that I was like. Uh, I think it was, I think when I turned 25 or 23 or something, I tweeted like, I'm officially too old to be a Final Fantasy protagonist. And the responses I got were like, uh, 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 Oren is 33. Waka is 30. Um, and that's the, uh, Bosch is like so, 33. Final Fantasy 12, Final Fantasy 10, Final Fantasy 12. Um, Final Fantasy 13, Saz is like 35. So I think the cutoff is like 35. Okay. So I've but, got a but, couple more years. But you can't, but the thing is the characters are either like 19 or they're 30. There's like no mid, there's no late the 20s. The 20s do not exist. <laughs> the late 20s do not exist because either you're a 19 year old or you're an old 30, or you're old. You're old. 35 and you're old and you also, have children the, or something. Andrew, like I feel like the 35 year olds are like not old. I know, but Final Fantasy is rude and awful. Continue. <laughs> I was just saying they look like, even though they're 35 or whatever, I feel like they end up, the art makes them look like 50 years old. Well, sometimes. sometimes. Not, not well, every character, but sometimes I, I feel well, like they say that they're younger and you're like, are you? <laughs> you just well, yeah, have a rough in, life. In, uh, I will, I will never, never forget Final Fantasy X. Oren is 30, Oren is 32, I think, and he has gray. His hair is totally gray. Oh. And I'm like, God damn it. I would have thought he would have been so much older than that. That kind of boggles my mind that he's right. 32. He was also dead the entire time, but that's semantics. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Final uh, Fantasy joke. The Brittany. Yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Wait, what? I didn't hear what you said. Oh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yeah, uh, basically, I am really enjoying it. It feels good to get, like, back into, like, JRPGs. Um, the hard part for me, like I said, is just kind of, like, letting go. Because I love mature things. I'm not older. Even when I was younger, like, more, like, 
games that aren't afraid to go there because I feel like that's more realistic in the sense. But um, it's more like the power of friendship. Oh, my God, we can do anything together. Look how awesome we are. It's like that kind of takes me out of it. But I'm trying to, like, chill out and, and revert about 10 years and get into it. Alexa, is that a deterrent for you at all? Or are you, like, totally into that? Like, super cheesy, the- like, oh, my God, we can do this together kind of attitude. You are talking to someone whose favorite series of all time is Kingdom Hearts. Well, but, okay, yeah, but you grew yes. up playing that, so I'm not sure if that's <laughs> because point. you have, like, residual nostalgia. Yes, yes, no, I grew up, I grew, like, I grew up playing these two. Like you, I was, you know, I was playing the big long JRPGs while all my friends were, like, playing Halo or whatever, and nobody understood me. Um, cause I was like, I didn't understand because the power I, of friendship. Because that's where, that's where, that's the point in my life, like, JRPGs, ruined me emotionally because that's how i learned to be like an emotional gummy gooey like lovey-dovey schmoopy person like that's where it came from because every jrpg is like you is basically it's final fantasy 9 says it best like you're not alone Mm -hmm. there's always people here you're together your friends soar quote from kingdom hearts my friends are my power um they're all like that. It's about like being able, a lot of those games are about leaning on other people and learning that like work towards a common goal. Even though you don't see eye to eye, you can still find a way to work together, blah, blah, blah. So like, yeah, that's a totally freaking appeals to me. And I'm about 10 hours in Xenoblade. I didn't get a chance. I'm not, <coughs> haven't played more of it. Cause I had some gaming duties over break, but I, I really like what they're doing with Xenoblade. I needed that fun, that fun kooky romp. Like, mm-hmm. like you were saying. It's refreshing. It's, it's palate cleanser. Since also, we're talking I googled about oldest Final Fantasy characters. Oh, I kind of want Andrea to tell us about her beginnings in JRPG land. So I had an experience did. <laughs> with a Japanese role-playing game. Yes. Laguna from Final Fantasy VIII is 44. He's oh. the oldest one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so I was playing another of Bye. these games with a bunch of young characters called Final Fantasy IX. Woo! One of the characters is six years old. Did you know that? She's it's six. <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. Nobody who's six should be gallivanting around doing things. And, and writing battles. love notes. Oh, yeah, um, that's true. Oh, so awkward. So I'm... I, 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 I don't know what's going on. And... <laughs> It's weird, and I think it was a mistake to name the characters and not keep their given names. Oh, oh no. no! What did you name them? What did you name them? What did you name I them? I didn't realize what I had done until afterwards, and I was like, "Ooh, I tell me, just kept." Did the you name Zidane a girl? A so girl name. the first, the first kid. Oh my I god! Named, I can't wait. Oh my god! I named JT. So that's Zidane, I think. Zidane is JT. That's basically yes. like the biggest Justin crush Timberlake. I've ever had in my life. Like, like, <laughs> like the just like Justin Timberlake. And then I named um, VV uh, MJ, like Michael Jackson. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> <laughs> it- and then oh, the next gonna- character was Steiner, and I named him the Hoff. Like we named going for a pop star theme. We named we named named Steiner Steiner Steiner. Why we named him ass butt. I, I think I like yours it. better. I love you so much, you precious angel. It's in dialogue scenes. It's in, it's all in text. If you're like me and you've never played this game before, there is no VO. There's no voices. It's just all text. Um, having everything come up as the Hoff said is pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. So uh, 
I'm just a little bit into the game. I just um, did the first battle sequence in the evil forest. Ooh. Um, and Tough. it's, um, yeah, it was. I, I, I died three times before I, I kind of figured out what I needed to do. Um, I didn't realize that you're supposed to steal from everybody you battle until, until just now. Um, cause I had to look up a, a walkthrough as to like how to beat this fight. Cause I kept dying so quickly. I was like, I don't understand. And then I was like, okay, I think I figured out what potions are, but they don't tell you what the potions do. And then I picked up a couple pieces of armor, but I don't know how to equip them. Oh no. I've been like the menu system. Are you is naked? Very confusing. <laughs> You're um, all in no, like I, just I, clothing. The only thing that yeah, changes so is I, your weapon. I, I, so I don't really know what's going on. And then I see that there's like a sword art ability. And then I see that there's like some magic and that I can Trance. run away. I fleed. That was my ability. So I, I hit flee, fled. And then I just like left the fight. And I was like, can I do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I clearly need a little assistance, but it's good that I started on my own to have like the experience of playing the game without anybody telling me what to do and f- figuring it out. Oh my God. But it's, complicated in a way that i'm like this shouldn't be that difficult because it seems pretty simple and why does every battle have to have that music like it's some big like some big thing is happening and i'm like it's just like a random like fox thing that i found in the forest that i'm fighting and yeah like the music starts up and i'm just like i don't have time for this and i i fled i love i love that music so much oh yeah it's great battle music Oh, it's so good. I just like the level up sound. Yeah. I don't know if I've gotten that sound yet. To be fair. If you won a battle, you've definitely heard it. Go easy on yourself because these are Final Fantasy IX uses the staple JRPG turn-based formula. The equipment system, like, if you have never played a game like that before, I can totally understand why it would seem complicated and confusing. To, like, Alexa and I, and I don't know if Simon if you ever played JRPGs back in We're, like, experts here, so... No, it, no I, it's, it's just yeah, just, it's a lot. No, if you're I, not used to that. I've played I've played similar type games and like like a complicated menu system um, isn't something that I'm afraid of. I think the thing that I've been frustrated with is that they don't tell me what each of the individual items does. Like if I like hover over a potion or a high potion. It doesn't tell me like what's the difference and the fact that the people you're battling don't have hit points. Nope. Like how am I supposed to know which item I'm supposed to use or which potion I'm supposed to use? It's turn based. I need to know like how many hit points you have or how I'm going to die. You know, you're done when you're done. No, I don't That's like that. But I have <laughs> hit points. Are you, I don't are, know. It's Are you sure that there's no explanation for the items? Like, it might be one of those things where you have to hover over and push, like, square or a, another item. Because I think the, the regular potions heal, like, what, 100, and a high potion heals, like, 300? Something yeah. like that? Okay. Or it's, like, so 50, 100. Like, a toggle button that will tell you. Because that would, that would yeah. suck if you don't know what these things do. That would make it very Yes. I will sit down with you after the, we record, and I will go through this with you. I'm sure maybe that's it. Maybe it's a button prompt that I'm missing. I'm sure somebody listening right now is like, Andrea, oh my gosh, you're an idiot. Why didn't you just hit this? I've played through this whole game on PS4. This is how you play. Um, so we're going to figure it out. But I wanted to let you know that I've started it. Um, it's clearly shows its age, and OMG is the, like, like the the sexism just rampant yep. in that game yeah. in a way that I was like, yep, this game is like twenty years old. Um, everything about 
the girl characters are like, yeah, but she's so pretty. Oh, look at how cute she is. Oh, I don't really want to go save Garnet, but you know, she's really pretty, so I should go save her. And what I'm did like, you rename Whoa. her? I, d- I, I haven't gotten the chance to play as her oh, okay. yet. Yeah, Zidane's a playboy. Yeah. 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 He's a little horn dog. Yeah. Well, I, but he's not the only one. The Hoff said it too. The Hoff. Well, he's the Hoff. Of course he Diner, did. The guy in the armor. <laughs> also, why is he wearing armor shorts? Because his, knee, his knees are exposed and his elbows are exposed. I'm like, man, if you're going to wear a suit of plate, if that's going to be your costume, like, like wouldn't you have armor. like, Doesn't make wouldn't sense. you have knee coverings? On He's your, only your, worried about his internal organs. Look, <laughs> look, you're playing be a like Final Fantasy game on his stubs of knees. No one is ever wearing anything nope. that makes any sense nope. or will protect them in any capacity. Nope. What? So ever. No. Okay. I'm surprised he doesn't have any weird scraps of fur or extra belts hanging off of him. Does he have a feather and that's like it coming out of his hat? Yeah, he's got a feather in his hat and that's it. That's pretty Um, magical feather. This Queen Brane or whoever. Yeah, Queen Queen Bran. She's a hot nightmare mess. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Is she like supposed to be like not human? Is Garnet her actual like blood daughter? Just 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 play. Just keep playing. Just Just keep keep playing. playing. Like, she looks like some kind of monster. All of your questions will be answered. Just keep playing. Have you met... Wait a minute. Has she... She hasn't met Kuja yet, right? I don't think no, so. No, no, no. no. She, she just got out of the forest, so... Oh, man. Kuji ku Kuji. Yeah, so. so... Kuji kuji ku um, Sorry. Kuji ku Oh, my God. So it's, good. Oh, yeah. Wait till you meet Kuja. That'll change Oh, God. I can't... I can't wait to see it. I, I have to admit, though, I, I have to force myself to sit down and play it. Oh, my God. Um, now I want to replay it. I know. We Shit. <laughs> I have so many things I have to play and like Lost Sphere. We get Lost Sphere like next week. Yeah. And but like, it would be, uh. you would probably run through it relatively quickly. You're not like me who I'm just like stumbling around, like looking in every single corner. Cause I like don't know where any of the chests are or anything. <laughs> no, you would think it's good, but like the problem is, is like, this is a very old game. So there's lots of portions of like the walkable surface that literally have nothing there. You just like, you're just like, Making they make that little noise that with every like footstep they take, just walking around the. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. (laughs) But that was a great impression. There, (laughs) there, there are some moments in Final Fantasy IX that I can't wait for you to get to because I know you're going to be just like, "What the fucking fuck is this?" Oh yeah, I can't wait. I've already said that so many times. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh my god! Just wait. What happens if you hate the game? I'm very proud of you for trying something new. Thank yes. you. I'm yes. doing my best. I'm yes. trying to expand my horizons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, so, um, Alexa Ray. Hi. Speaking of horizons. Yes. Another oh. great segue. You finished the game, but you wrote in the show notes that you were disappointed in the ending. Yes. So before we continue, ladies, do we want to have a spoilery discussion about the ending or do we want to keep it spoiler free? Brittany, have you played it? I haven't. Hmm. I can take off the headphones and just watch you ladies. No. Let's keep it a spoiler. Well, mm, mm. Then, then I don't know if I can talk about it because I have some very, very specific. So we have uh, we have a year, typically like a year policy, right? So Horizon released February 28th. Whatever that's So how like. about we'll make a deadline, Brittany, that you have to finish Horizon before then. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Totally okay. Fair. Fire under your ass. So then I'll be as vague as I can. Yes. Um, okay. Can't, yes. Okay. 
So Unless you don't want to talk about it, and we can talk about something else. No, no, no. We, we can talk about it. I played 27 games over break. That's a lot. Because I was a judge for the Dice Awards this year. Damn girl. Um, Brittany, I played Divinity. I played about 15 hours of Divinity Original Sin. I think I'm going to go back and finish it. It's really good. Yay! I haven't found Peeper yet, though. I want to find Peeper. Um, so I played very many games, and my brain was bleeding, and I told myself my reward for getting through all my dice games was I'm going to finish Horizon with my boyfriend, who I played with. We played this together. And we did a bunch of side stuff. We did almost all the side stuff. Got the super kooky weaver armor that I oh, love. It's the best. Did, like, did all the side quests, checked in, and before you go, before you go to like the final suite or whatever you want to call them of boss things, um, you can't go back after that. So there's a point that's like, go back or like stay. And there's all these options to like go in and check on all the people that Aloy has helped throughout the game. We chose to do that. I thought, I thought a lot of the side stuff was wrapped up really, really nicely. I thought that a lot of the conflict in the individual places was wrapped up really nicely. Um, I felt like I felt like everything, like every question asked, answered itself. So going into the end of the game, I was like, so this game succeeded in having a really great story in that it's not leaving me with like any major questions other than like, what's up with this other tribe, which I guess is what the Frozen Wilds is about. The Banook? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. So... It, it answered all those questions. I felt like empowered and I felt really close to the world. And I was like, I know this place. I love this place. Um, I have a couple of weird, like this is suspension of disbelief questions about it that I'll get to after Brittany plays her game and we can do our spoiler cast um, about it. But I'm like, okay, let's go. We're going to do, we're going to do the thing. And for me, a game, even if I love it, even if I absolutely love the game can be, made or broken for me by a lame boss ending Mm. um and like the actual boss fight itself or like the the resolution of your interaction with the boss the entire thing like you could have a lame boss fight and like a really crazy cutscene that's like oh okay but if your interaction with the boss is kind of like oh okay then it kind of throws me off like i had a lot of issues i had some issues with the way that um the way that 15's ending started and then the middle was really great the the sequence of boss fights that you have and then the ending cutscene just really confused the hell out of me but in the end it was like the way the actual battle that i had the way that the combat was balanced and the way that it the way that it forced you to use all the tools in your toolbox to get through it is what made it, made it something for me. And that's what I think a good final boss or set of final bosses in some games have like one or two, or if you're kingdom hearts, like six, um, (laughs) six or seven at the end, um, a final boss or a final challenge or whatever it is. If your game has that should challenge you should, should put something in front of you that you have all the tools to do, but should also challenge you to use all of those tools or think about using all of those tools. It's supposed to be a summation of the challenges that you have overcome and the things you have faced. Um, and it should be something that makes you feel like it, it, it should be something that feels like it's high stakes and that feels epic. Cause if you're coming to like the climax of a story and you've been like in horizon zero dawn fighting to basically save the world from ending again, what I'm, what you're facing and what you are led to think you'll be facing. I think you know what I'm talking about throughout yes. the entire game. Mm-hmm. I was prepared for that. I was like, this is the thing I'm going to have to fight. And when I stocked up and I, and I, and I equipped myself and I looked at what I had, uh, 
before I started that final sequence, I was like, okay, if this is what I think it is, then I'm probably going to need these. I want to make sure I have all of this. And that's what I prepared for. I prepared for the showdown with this thing that's been sort of the player behind the scenes threatening the whole game, like the, the ultimate big bad, basically. And what the ending is, is you have this really amazing boss. Like there's basically like three, three waves, three, Mm, three, yes, three segments. And the first one I was like, okay, this makes sense for a first segment. And then the next one, the next segment in like the boss things escalated the threat and felt more threatening and felt more dangerous and, you know, adrenaline pumping, like everything's going really great. I was really excited by it. And I felt like I was really accomplishing something like everything Aloy slash I had worked towards. Um, like, like this was it. This is what I prepared for. And then the final boss battle against the final thing. I was like, I remember it, it, it came on screen and I looked at it and I was just like, it's, it's not like, it wasn't, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It was an iteration without trying to not spoil this for Brittany. It's an iteration of a thing that you have fought before, except its hit points are just a little bit higher. And I was like, okay, so I already know how to, how to defeat this thing. Maybe I defeat this thing. And then the thing I think I'm going to fight is behind it or like reaching behind it and the world is counting down and like, and there's a timer and everything's crazy. And I'm like, Oh my God, I got to get through this thing. And then I can go and then I can go fight this thing. And it was too easy. Like the fight, the fight was, the fight was too easy. And I don't think it was because I was OP. Um, I definitely, definitely didn't didn't feel like it was me just wailing on it, but I feel like it was too easy and it was super anticlimactic. And then Aloy does what she has to do to 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 end the story. And there's a little cutscene, and the cutscene is literally the essence of the cutscene is literally everyone going, "Woo, that's over!" And then credits roll. And I was like, uh, and I was like, okay, that's that's the. It's it's oh. so much more than that well, though because I just pulled it up to like remind myself of the sequence you're talking about yeah and like it was such an amazing feeling getting to that point it it, it was but and then the credits the, are so good in that game the credits the credits are cool the credits are really cool and there's so much there's there's other stuff that happens there's two there well there's two big cutscenes like, it's just hard to talk about because I'm like I want to see it's yeah. hard to talk about so there's two there's two big cutscenes you get rewarded with one before the credits one after the one before the credits moved me. Made me made me really sad, um, but I think that sentiment, like like that, I I loved that that sentiment was there, but I didn't feel like I earned it in the final boss battle. I feel like I got an emotional payoff for something I didn't really work for, and then the scene after the credits made me fucking angry. Hey. I hated yeah. it. I hated <laughs> it so much. I was like unnecessary. This is stupid. Like. Like maybe like I understand every game wants to leave it open, open ended for a sequel, maybe or something or whatever. But I saw it and I was like, it felt like it cheapened the ending for me. Interesting. And that and that Hmm. and that final boss battle, I feel like was not was not the challenge that I was expecting for the earth shattering consequences of everything going on. I feel like it was like, here's the thing you fought before and it's a little bit more difficult. The last part. The last part. That's crazy. The last part. And I was like, it'll hand your ass to you. I, okay, then, okay, then I'm totally excited <laughs> to get my ass handed to me. I, 
I have to, I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I will. It's obvious that if you did all of the side content, that you were very high powered going into the final fight. You I did most tell. of it. You can technically like get to the final fight at like level thirty five, right? Right, and the and the level cap is fifty, right? Um, and I I maxed out my level cap and I maxed out my skill tree um, really before going into the final boss fight. So I did feel very strong. But I didn't feel like it was an easy fight, especially with the, all of the different waves. It was it was challenging, but I didn't want them to successively get more and more difficult. That would have been frustrating, right? But like diff- difficulty aside, like I just felt like that like the last part was not creative, and I felt like for what the game was setting you up to face and what you had to face, the thing that I can't name because of Brittany, um. I just, I just felt like, I felt like it was like a, if it felt like a cop out, like that one stretch, like I remember I was like, oh, it's this thing. And then I get to the, and then I get to go and fight the actual thing and you don't. And I just remember the way that I felt when that battle was over was, and then the end sequence started was that was it. Like that, that's what I felt. I was like, that's all, that's it. But does that taint the entire experience for you? No, it, no, it doesn't. It doesn't, but it made me it really disappointed me because I feel like I was working towards the thing that I was working towards was not the thing that I was working towards, which is the way that the game presented presents its narrative and what it presents you with made me think like, and I guess not everyone probably felt that way when they were playing this game, but I felt like that was the thing I was getting ready to beat. And when Aloy is like laying in that bed, like talking to talking to like the people that have passed and talking to like, people in her head and like thinking about all that she's seen and all the people that she's like talked to and whatnot again trying to be vague because of Brittany. you didn't know you're doing real good it's a very it's a very poignant moment and like her saying those things i was like oh man yeah you're gonna go fight the really big bad thing that's like you know gonna like could destroy like the world to the suicide mission in Mass right Effect too right right so it which is not a suicide mission and everybody yeah. can live right video so, games I guess- it might take you five playthroughs it, to make sure everybody you want is alive, but you know, yeah. it's okay. It, it, <laughs> it, 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 it disappointed me. I thought it would be more creative. And then the first cutscene happened and I was like, oh, okay, everything's good now. And then the last, the, the post credits cutscene, which I saw Steimer make a note about in our show notes, uh, oh, fucking infuriated yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I, I was mean, mad. Yeah. I wasn't Don't. mad, but I was like, unnecessary i was like this story is beautiful and poignant and it says so much and it doesn't leave it doesn't leave a lot unsaid but what it leaves unsaid is a lot of messaging for like us and a lot of like things that as a player you kind of have to parse through the way that you feel about these themes and these things and i liked that and i liked that the way it ended it didn't like it's like that's it like Aloy, you know, Aloy had her story and there's this like beautiful, majestic epic. And I was like, yeah. And then, uh, the post credits scene happened and I was just like, no, you had it. You had it. You had your beautiful little end cap. And then you had to like, be like, wait, like scribble something in the end. I just didn't, I just, no, no, we're going to have to discuss this further when we can actually discuss it. Yeah, and Brittany um, finally finishes it. But I think it's one of the best stories of 2017. Like, I think it's fantastic. I was just a little disappointed in the ending. Sometimes it's hard to bring it home, you know? Yeah. You yeah. put so much, so much emphasis on the journey that you don't really 
start to th- stop to think about the right. destination. I compared I compared the ending of Horizon Zero Dawn to the ending of Assassin's Creed Syndicate. That really awful boss battle that was like a oh we have to put a final boss in. Here you go. Do you though? No. You don't have to. No. You could be like surprise you did all this shit and there's then you you did it. Bye. You did it. The yeah, journey, you did the, the journey. Thing. Go home. That's, That's what you are home. <laughs> yeah, there's the game idea. The journey was the destination. Ha ha, motherfuckers. We tricked you. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay. So, um, you have some homework, Brittany. Um, but did you want to talk about any of these other games on your list? I see you've been playing some Warhammer and, uh, you were playing Octodad. Yeah. Um, I can touch briefly on these like I did for my 18 games last week. Uh, War, Warhammer End Times Vermintide is like, think of it as a medieval Left 4 Dead. Um, it does some things a little different, but it's a really fun co-op game. The level design is like sex for me because it's super medieval. There's like dungeons and like... Oh. Did okay. you say it's like sex for you? I did. We got it. It's fantastic. Okay. We got to take <laughs> so you. I saw me it's and Andrea good, both guys. Like, it's that I good. have an idea. That, that is a box quote right there. We got to take Brittany to medieval times. Yes. Oh, please. No, I'm maybe for, for all that stuff. Maybe for our 30th birthdays, which are, you know, like six hours apart, we can all just go to medieval times. <laughs> Girl, I'm there. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I am there. Perfect. I will dress Dad, up. I, will, I have chain mail. I'll wear my chain mail. It'll be oh fantastic. You have chain mail? I do. It's hanging in my garage. It's fantastic. That's oh amazing. God. Yeah, just like that idea. I'm not um, surprised. It's great. Recommend it if you're looking for co-op people. If you have a wait, looking for a co-op game, I can't speak. Um, Octodad, Dadliest Catch, I played because I had so much fun with Human Fall Flat and those ragdoll physics that um, I wanted something kind of similar and it's co-op and it's interesting because one person controls the left side of the octave dad's body and that someone controls the right side right side and it's a cluster f and it's hilarious and that's all safer now but those are two co-op games i would recommend octodad only if you really like the person you're playing with otherwise it could get really ugly yeah yes it can be yeah. a good litmus test for a relationship yeah you can also <laughs> play it solo if you have no one to share that's games true. with i think you can play with up to four yeah. people actually yeah one person yes you can extremity yeah that would be nuts. Yeah, that's a, that's a fight waiting to happen. That's yeah. our next that's stream. Like a good Patreon it. stream. <laughs> it is actually. That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh my gosh, um, those um, those streams where all four of us are together, are of course, uh, Patreon exclusive rewards. If you guys want to be part of those streams that we do once a month, patreon.com slash What's Good Games. You can toss us a buck and get in on the happy hour Q and A. It's so good. It's for all levels of of patrons. It's so good. And then we have the special after hours. Uh, tier that is a little bit more money, but um, you get a little bit extra, which is pretty awesome. And we love those conversations that we get to have with you guys every month, um, talking in the chat, playing with you guys. Um, it's one of our highlights. We really, really do um, love playing with you. So that'll do it for our hands-on segment for this week. Prepare yourselves for the Life is Strange spoiler cast. Oh boy! We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Um, It's me to show you oh my god 
The Final Fantasy Couple Noodle. Oh, oh those are so cool. Boy. Square um, Enix, I know you guys listen to this podcast. You sent me two pallets of ramen noodles the month I decide to do a Whole30. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it says warm up for battle on it. I'm on Weight Watchers right now. Uh, same, John same. and I are doing it together. And so we scanned this in. Uh, it's 10 it's points. 10 Weight Watchers points. Is that a lot? lot? It's yes. Like, yeah, it's like it's like two thirds. <laughs> you only get like half. Yeah, points. You can only get like 23, 25 like a day. So 10. Oh. That's half your day? Yeah. yeah. That's not even going to keep you full for more than an hour. No. I know. That's why I mean, that's why they 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 make them that expensive cuz they don't want you to eat a lot of them. So technically mm. I can eat we can eat as many vegetables and fruits and yeah. chicken breasts and fish. Yeah. As all we the want. chicken They're breasts. All zero, all the chicken They're breasts. all zero points, but like when you add like oil or condiments or any of that stuff but not hot sauce hot Hot sauce sauce is zero yeah oh yeah um but anyway we brought them um because we have um a palette of them and i'm gonna save some for you ladies when you arrive here in san francisco we can all eat them together um and then uh we will also be um gifting some of these they have codes they have codes on them for outfits in decidia final fantasy nt which is coming out at the end of the month. I'm bringing no my added big suitcase MSG. so I can bring some home and maybe put them in my Final Fantasy shrine. Don't maybe? pretend like in you're your bringing shrine. your big suitcase for a cup of noodle. These would fit in a perfectly, relatively good size carry-on bag. You just want to bring, always you bring, bring big your suitcase. big bag. Always. <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, we give Brittany a hard time. We love her, but but we give her a hard time because when she flies down here to San Francisco for our monthly shoots, she brings a suitcase that I could fit inside. It is enormous. (laughs) We're like, you're only here for only here for like a couple days. Hey, you never know. Something might happen. Fallout Five. I'm, you know, like IRL Fallout Five. I might have to stay at Andrea's house for a week. I'm have covered. you seen my closet? I Is have that suitcase your you bug wear. out bag? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just bring. Oh my god, Brittany! <laughs> okay, just bring it with me everywhere. Just I'd in like case. To see you in a zombie apocalypse, like slugging that thing behind you. Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm slowly trying to move in. I'm like leaving like bobby pins and like my toothbrush around. You know, like it's, true. it's a slow process, but it's working. Oh, I'm bringing. I'm bringing a blow dryer to leave at your house. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah, because one. I got. I got another one. I got a, like a really nice one for Christmas. And the other one I had was not really nice too. So I was like, what am I going to do with this? And I'm like, well, I'll just leave it at Andrea's house. I think I have, I have the one have nice that we use in our bedside drawer. I keep one of her hair dryers. Hair dryers, I think it's in there. In my yeah, no, wow. I had to go find it, but it's my travel one. That one's really great because it's super powerful. Anyway, yeah. we digress. Thank you for yes. you, Marinas. Um, <laughs> but now, the moment you've been waiting for. I hope that you're caught up. This is your first and only warning for spoilers because we're going to lay it all bare. It's whoop, Life whoop. is Strange Before the Storm, Episode 3, Hell is Empty. Whoop, whoop. But before um, we go to Hell is Empty, we have some Turbo Patrons. That's right, that Steimer. We, we would like to, to talk to. Steimer. Say their names. This is my <laughs> Say my name. It's so it's it's the funny part is that Steimer reminded me at the beginning of the last segment. Don't forget we got to do Turbo Patrons this month, and I was like, "Yeah, we do. We got some new people." And then she was like, "But you're gonna forget." I'm like, "But I wrote it in the show notes, and, and you then, forgot." <laughs> I didn't forget. We we did it. Steimer reminded me just now. Just just now. now. Just I got now. you. Let's okay. do it. So, um, Turbo Patrons are a fantastic group of people 
who are on patreon.com slash what's good games, who are in our comments, who are sending us emails, who are part of our community in a really awesome, meaningful way. We got to meet some of you guys at PSX, which was really cool. Um, people have been asking, are you going to be doing an East Coast meetup? Yes, we will be doing a meetup at PAX East. Woohoo! It's still a couple months out, so we don't have any details for you yet, but we are planting that flag. Yes, there will be a what's good games meetup of some kind during PAX East, which is April 5th through the 9th, I believe. It's four days. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yes, four days now. We should probably book our hotel. Yeah, we'll get on that. (laughs) But, um, a big shout out and thank you to our Turbo patrons. I'm going to read all of their names here. As always, if you're new to this list, or even if I've messed up your name in the past, I apologize (laughs) if I mispronounce your name. Names are hard, guys. Um, all right. Starting at the top, uh, Mr. David Icolucci, Alex Rogopoulos, Lincoln Davis, Tom Bach, who is a new producer for us. We have one Woo. of his special segments coming next week. Steven Insler, uh, Daniel Raymond, George Ralph. Ooh. Is that one I like name? It. I yeah, love that. That's, name. that's awesome. Your postcard. Uh, four Joe, names. Four names. George, Joe, Joe, Joe Schlieff, 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 Michelle Villegas, <laughs> Kathy Lucas, Miss Calf dog. Kia Bright, Steph Wu, Austin Riley, Dustin Lewis, Tara Bruno, Tara. Kyle Heyman, Amar Dillon, Sion Stevenson, Stephen McPherson, Aaron J. Saxon, Tara Waldrop, Benjamin Pardue, Adrian Williams, RJ Bryan, Trevor Starkey, El Michelle, Jared Howard, Bass Peterson, Carl Peterson, Molly Bittner. Molly! Molly. Happy Jose- belated birthday, Molly! Yes, she just celebrated her birthday. Woo! Um, Joselle Bassah, Besa? Giselle Besa. Bassa? Uh, Genevieve Schultz. Muhammad Muhammad. Nam H. Bowie. Jeff Hutchinson. Tim Ross. Brian Slack. E. Izare. Robert Guerrero. Maddie Stanley. John Drake. Bill Stilwell. Jason Erickson. Sam Baptiste. No Clip, which is Danny O'Dwyer. Adam Rapone. Billy Shibley. Stephanie Fitzgerald. Stephanie Fitzwilliams, who had a really weird dream about me that she DM'd me about. It was really funny. Involved like some kind of robot dog? I don't know. Um, Sam, Jason T. Barnes, Harrison Pink, Tommy Larson, Ross Haney, Jessica Salisbury, Nicole Humphrey, Mike Lynch, Brooke Larry, Asia Harrison, Anthony Murphy, Kyle Somerville, Christopher Leone, Oswaldo Sandoval, Ethan Anderson, Sydney Carr, Geo Corsi, Elijah Steele, Marcus Brown, Materia Addict, Yusuf, Annette Gonzalez, Shane Ramu, Ramu? How do yeah. you think you say that? Ram, this Re- is new. Ramu. Welcome to the Turbo Patrons. I'm sorry I butchered your name. Please tell us how to pronounce it. <laughs> Ozzy Mejia. Christian Rodriguez, Nathan Drake. What? Yes. Don't no. every month we read his name. I'm always surprised every <laughs> month, too. <laughs> Troy Spradling, Louis Creech, Donato Sinicho III, Adam Boys, Tony Hahn, and my mama, Teresa Enert. Woo! I don't that know why she's always at the bottom. Maybe it's because she signed up first. Save the best for last. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it she, would make sense that she signed up first. Supporter. Good old T-Dog. <laughs> she's like, oh, my daughter's doing this thing. Let me type it in. My parents have no idea what I do. She tells me she listens to the show, but I wonder if she does. Mom, did you hear this? Did you hear me make fun of you? T-Dog. I don't, I don't think you're ever going to remember this because you don't listen to the show. <laughs> oh. It's okay. It's a, We're a very hardcore video game show. If you don't play video games and you listen to the show, I mean, God love you. I don't know what you're doing here. Yeah. I'm, we're glad to have you. <laughs> They're here for the 
no that's pretty much for it the singing. <laughs> for the really good songs yeah, yeah the really good yeah. songs <laughs> Exactly. The songs, the video games. Um, but thank you once again. Um, we say this every month, and I will reiterate that we could not do What's Good Games without the incredible support of not only our Turbo patrons, but all of our patrons um, at patreon.com slash what's good games. If you guys are ever uh, listening to the show and you you know think that you could toss a buck our way, we'd greatly appreciate it. Um, any little bit helps. So you can check those out. Um, again, patreon.com slash what's good games. So now, without further ado it's time to start crying oh, oh boy uh, okay i so, didn't cry um oh, i i, I up didn't real cry? hard i didn't full-on like cry but i was close so Brittany, last time you went through the decisions one by one did you want to do that again this time absolutely i have them right here wonderful so wonderful. um to recap what happened in episode one and two we are at a point where we just got some pretty shocking news that we found out this character, Sarah is Rachel's biological mother. We don't really get a sense of, um, this other woman. Um, do you guys remember her name? Rose. Rose. Yes. Um, Oh, the actual wife. Yeah. Yeah. Like at what point Rose came into the picture? Oh, like how old Rachel was. Like, has she been there since she was a baby? Uh, clearly we learn more about this, um, in the opening moments of, of this scene. So the first opening scene, um, was something that we didn't see during our playthrough. And I understand Mm -hmm. now why they held it back. So if you guys remember, we had Ashley Birch and Chris Floyd into the studio here to show us the opening of this episode. And they conveniently left a cutscene out mm-hmm. uh, of that demo. So in that demo, we essentially get the story from Rachel's dad about how he and Sarah, you know, met and how they fell in love and how they had this baby and then how she suffered from addiction and that she was like this wild spirit and everybody loved her in high school and very much reminiscent of who Rachel is as a character. But then, you know, her, he was never going to be enough for her that her wild, crazy, passionate personality just needed more. And instead of, um, turning to other healthier outlets, she turned to drug use, heroin. Yeah. Needles. Um, we saw, so that's pretty tragic. And essentially the end of that story, that opening scene, ends with him essentially accusing her of caring more about her addiction than about her daughter, which is why he removes her from their home and leaves Sarah mm-hmm. and then brings us back to, to present day. So, uh, Britt, what is the first first decision? So the first decision actually doesn't take place until after you have your moment with Rachel in her bedroom. It's when you are back home and you find your room searched. Uh, did you destroy the plant with soda? Yes, I yeah. did. I did. Yep. So did I. RIP um, plant. 81% of people killed the plant with soda and 19% of people killed the plant with neglect. Aww. So the well, plant dies like, either way. Yeah. It's can't dead. save the plant. To be fair, the prompt said water. It didn't say water with soda. But if so, she like, was you holding think a you're soda can. taking care of the plant when you hit that button, and then she just dumps soda on it, and you're like, girl, girl, what are you doing? Right. Even I know not to do that, and I kill plants all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Sorry, so after, after that moment, you shower, you dye a strand of your hair blue, 
And you go downstairs, and you, there's a scene with um, Joyce and, God, what's his name? David. David. David Madsen. Step douche. And at one point, David offers you a photograph, trying to relate with Chloe and loss and all that. Did you accept David's photograph? I did. Of course, I did. I'm not a monster. Yeah, Are I you, though? Yeah. Well, I... <laughs> I I was at a point where Love I was you. like, listen, Chloe, you're being kind of a bitch. You need to m- take a step in the direction. Clearly, he's making your mom happy. So this decision comes after you see a scene between Joyce and David where they're kind of dancing in the kitchen. He's making her music. Eggs. He's being real sweet to her. It's Mother's and- Day. And um, and you're a terrible child that has done nothing for your yes. mother. Yeah, and not to say that Cloyd obviously ha- doesn't have her issues for obvious reasons, but like she's so mean to her mom because like her mom lost her partner, her lost her husband. Mm-hmm. Like it's been tough for Joyce too, and Chloe's just being really insensitive to that. Right. Yeah. All right. The not next- only that, can I? Pay- I want to put yeah. the bone about the fact that do it that she just freaking leaves she's like it's mother's day it's i really gotta go mom and like her mom just lets her go i'd be like oh hell no grab you by the ear you are like you're spending the day with me like what do you think you're doing yeah that i didn't catch that it was mother's day i missed yeah and i know joyce is trying to create an environment where chloe feels safe right she's like i want you to come home and i want you to be able to feel like you can just live or whatever um at first i'm like that's stupid what the hell is she doing that mom blah 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 blah. but then I realized growing up, I had friends who had parents like that, that were like, I don't care if you want to smoke weed, if you want to drink, as long as you come home by a certain time. Granted, Chloe never comes home by curfew anyway. But, and I was like, okay, like I can, that's, you know, that's realistic. Pe- parents do parent that way sometimes. That was a little weird though. That's true. But, uh, my parents were the exact opposite where like we had an alarm on our house. And so you could not sneak out if you tried. You would set the alarm off and. <laughs> Everyone Game would know. Over. <laughs> and this was the cherry on top was that when I left the house, like I'm the, the youngest, when I went off to college, guess what stopped getting set at night? The alarm. The alarm. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, the next choice, fast forwards. Oh, okay. This ultimately, what did you do with Drew's money? That's kind of this statistic here. So sixty-two percent of people did not have Drew's money at the start of the day in episode three. Twenty-nine percent gave Drew's money to Damon. One percent returned Drew's money to him. Four percent donated Drew's money to the firefighter fund. Firefighter fund, and four percent kept Drew's money. I didn't have the money at the start of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it. I gave the money to um, to Damon in the hallway. Because I intervened. I didn't stay in the room with Drew. I, or with Mikey, I went out and was like, stop beating him. Here's the money. Go away. Yeah, yeah I stayed in the room I with Mikey. That's Twenty Only 29% of people, which is kind of surprising. I wow. gave it to Damon, but I gave it to him in episode three. Because I stayed with Mikey. And, uh, because I didn't quite really know how this was going to, how it was going to shake out. And then I still had the money and I was like, shit, I didn't mean to keep this money. I just have it here. Did you and then he's a scary drug dealer. So I was like, here, take it. I, I didn't actually, God, take hey, your thousand dollars and leave me alone. Um, so the next decision takes place at the hospital. So a lot happens between then and then, then yeah. and then, <laughs> then and then, then and then. So the next decision is, 
Did you visit the Norths at the hospital? Right. So like, yes. let's talk about how we end up at the hospital, right? So mm-hmm. um, the Norths are there because uh, Mikey's arm got broken in, in my playthrough. Yeah. Um, I believe Drew's if you... knee is busted in mine. Yeah. Because you drew, right? Drew's, is Drew's knee is busted, yeah. But you're there um, because of... Chloe got... No. Rachel got Rachel. stabbed. Rachel got stabzored. Yes. So you have this altercation with this drug dealer, Damon. Damon. And uh, because what's happening is Chloe is trying to find Sarah so that Rachel can have a, like a reconciliation with her because uh, Rachel's parents have said, don't try to find Sarah. We've kind of exiled her fr- fr- her from our life. We don't want her here. Don't go look for her. She's not somebody that needs to be part of your life, uh, is what Rachel's dad has said to her. But not only Rachel, that, that she's accepted money every month in order to stay away. So he's essentially yeah. saying your mother accepted money over seeing you. Right. Yeah. And so he's really kind of set Sarah up as as the fall guy, which makes sense. Um, and and so Rachel, of course, being a sixteen year old girl who can think for herself, says like, "You don't get to make that decision for me. Um, I want to find her." And so she's asked Chloe, "Now, Chloe, can you help me do this?" And Chloe's like, "Well, I saw her come out of Frank." So Chloe contacts Frank to be like, "Well, where is she?" And now they're fighting with the drug dealer. Um, and the drug that that whole interchange was super tense. I did not like it. I did not like how aggressive he was being with such young girls. Yeah. Um. He, they really yeah. wrote him and played him as like a really like asshole character. Um. And then he ends up stabbing Rachel. And I'm trying to remember how because she hits, she hits him, him in the, the head. Board. So what happens oh, yeah. is that the turning point where it becomes more violent is Chloe says Rachel's name. And he and Damon picks up on it and it's like, wait, Rachel Amber, you're the DA's daughter. You're going to give me some dirt on your dad right now. And then obviously they're like, no, fuck you. Um, and Rachel at some point gets fed up. I think Frank like is like Damon, cool off. But Rachel escalates the situation by taking a piece of wood and hitting Damon over the head with it. Oh, uh, yes. The two um, by four. After yeah. he already has shown a giant knife that he has. So obviously he picks up his knife, which I think fell on the ground. And then stabs her in the like the armpit. And, you know, he nicks yeah, her artery. Like so he nicks a major artery yeah, he when nicks he cuts an artery. her. She starts to bleed out. Yes. Oh. And so you got to get the hell out of Dodge. You put her in like your shitty truck. Yeah. So yeah. Frank that pulls you. off Damon and then you drive with your, like you said, shitty truck to the hospital. Um, I did like that moment of, of Chloe fixing the truck up. I thought it was really sweet. That was cute. Yeah, that, that was, was cute. really cute. Um, then obviously the Norths are there because they already had their run in with... Um, Damon themselves. So, did you ladies visit the Norths at the hospital? Yes. Yes, of course. Okay. 72% of people did. 2% did not. I'm I'm assuming that people didn't, like, they just walked too far, then the cutscene ensued, and like, ah, whoops. Yeah. Uh, Probably. 26% sparred with Drew over pudding. I didn't get that option. No. I didn't either. I have, I don't know how that even I didn't try to, so there's, so there's, Drew has the thing of pudding, and I just looked at it and I was like, oh, that looks good. And he's like, yeah, that looks good. Or he's like, yeah, I'm going to eat it. I didn't even I, try. I'm, I'm wondering if you kept doing it, maybe you would. I don't know. I'm not a pudding person, so I, I just didn't go pudding. to the pudding. Like yeah, pudding. I didn't care that much because it didn't oh, look so that good, good to me. Mm, now I want pudding. Pudding. Butterscotch pudding, pudding is one of my faves. Oh, so oh yeah. 
Girl, my my family makes a butterscotch pudding bar dessert. What? This is like that you're gonna make this. this oh my god! So North Dakota, I can't even tell you. I'll make it for you guys. I'll get the recipe for my own. That'd be great. Are we cooking again? Let's cook. Yeah, it'd be great. Cooking party. Ramen noodles and butterscotch bars. Butterscotch good. Zero percent of people played tabletop with Mikey. No, I'm I'm wondering if that. No, 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 no. I'm wondering that option. I'm wondering because I played tabletop with Mikey. I played, but I. What I'm wondering this means is if maybe Drew had been hospitalized, then maybe you had the option to play tabletop with Mikey. Yeah, if Drew, Drew, so when you walk in, if Drew is the one being hospitalized, um, Mikey and God, I forgot her name. Steph, that girl, Steph. Steph, are sitting there with the Dungeons and Dragons book open, um, in his room playing. So I saw that but and just I didn't think I could do. I couldn't do anything with it. Could you, Alexa? I didn't try. I did. I like what I was like. Oh, I want to like finish her. I want to like be the barbarian. But you can. But I, you anytime can. I hit talk to them, they just like did throwaway lines, and I was like, oh, okay. I guess interesting. I guess it's time for me to go. So in my playthrough, Mikey was hospitalized, and I got to play D and D, the final round of D and D with Mikey and Steph, and even Drew got, got in on the action, and that was really cute. Aww. Yeah, it was fun. I I died at the end of mine. Did you win or did you lose? I sacrificed myself in a sense. So there's no stat on this, but in the end, what I decided to do, cause Mikey had like this bracelet or something that would allow him to like survive the impending final attack that would kill everyone and everything. And I'm like, wear it and I will sacrifice myself. And that's how I died. That's how I died too. But then Mikey's, Mikey's character died in my playthrough. Oh really? Oh no. Yeah. I wonder if you so, failed the talk back or whatever. Snap I talk. failed every single talk back. I did not win oh. a single talk back. I did not Wait, master that what? mechanic. <laughs> I did not understand it. I oh. tried to figure it out and I, every talk back in every episode I failed. I only okay. lost. I kind of like that idea of Chloe. Like Chloe's still trying though. Like when she just keeps fucking it up. So I succeeded my smack talk. So I'm wondering if that's why his character lived. So I was Maybe. just like super encouraging and like super like, into it and i think that's probably why i succeeded. maybe yeah uh, like maybe like in the first like if you, the first game you could be encouraging to him or you could kind of like be like disinterested so maybe yeah. the stats go back to like how you played the game the first time yeah I um, just totally larped and i was like yeah we can do this and we did well he did. i only lost I totally one larped. i only lost one talk back in this entire series and it's the one with um elliot from this episode Oh. I lost one, and it was the principal in episode one or two. Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> and I was like, "Oops!" I lost that- them all. I'm terrible at talking back. <laughs> Bad at it. Yeah. But you're not in real life. You're really quite good at it. Oh, thanks. The next <laughs> statistic comes from those who donated to the firefighters fund. So 95 percent did not have anything to donate. One percent donated 250 dollars. Four percent donated a thousand dollars, and zero percent donated 1250. Wow, I did not have any money to donate. Also, right. I did not see where I was supposed to donate. When this when there was this a decision came up, I did not know that it was an option. Yeah, there was the little box in the hospital, which I had no money. So, yeah, did you I ain't got nothing for you? Did you guys listen to what the firefighters were talking about? Yes. About the so, fire. Yes, what I forgot out. already. So the, the fire. Oh yeah, the yeah, firefighters yeah. The are fire like the gone. fire just went out. The fire just it 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 put itself out. At right, the same time, injured, Rachel, yeah, at the same time, Rachel is bleeding out in the hospital. Coincidence? Yeah. No, clearly not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> she is the fire. <laughs> so Rachel wakes up and you visit and talk with her. And of course, she still wants to pursue her mother. 
and she's like, hey, here's the where the house key's located. Here's our, my dad's code to his office. Please go in there and snoop around and see what information you can dig up on my mom. So that we do we want to talk about that because the next decision comes down to who you revealed as the snitch to Damon. Yes. So um, in that scene, you do a lot of digging around in the DA's office looking for dirt. Um, I remember looking around and seeing things that I thought were pretty normal. I am, I remember being confused about the choice options about who you could kind of pin it on. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously like Sheldon, I recognize as like the, the douchebag from the mill. Um, but the other guy, the, the one guy, I was like, I didn't know who it was, but like, he's the one who like, if you read his file, he like had in his court testimony, like confessed to like being a snitch. And so mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, well, that's, that's the guy. But then I picked him to be the one that I ratted out to, uh, Damon. And then it like turned on me. I got confused. Tur- it, turned wait, on you. How? What happened? The guy with like, the tat, the Hawaiian tattoos or the Samoan tattoos? No, no, not the, not the, uh. Um, that's the actual snitch. Oh, is it? Yeah. You have to do, dig around a few times. It's not in the files. It's on the computer. Hmm. I must have missed it. Hmm. The computer, if you pull up the file, it'll say it's the, it's the doorman from the old, from the mill. And you, and Chloe has a thing where she's like, oh, it's that guy, but he was really cool to me. So, so I did not, I did not tell him that it was him and I, tried to pin it on someone else that's what i did what do you mean it turned on you what happened so what's the Brittany? what's the decision there um 17 percent convinced damon that gerald gerald <laughs> gerald i'm thinking of gerald was the snitch 53 percent convinced damon that sheldon was the snitch and 30 percent revealed to damon that thunder so thunder is the bouncer that's the actual snitch um no Gerald or Sheldon? Who who is who? Because I, I I did I thought it was just Thunder. Throwaway characters. Sheldon yeah. is the guy from the first episode that Chloe gets in a fight with at the concert. But wasn't Frank also an option to convince that he was the snitch? No, uh, no, Frank's, no, Frank no, because no, you say you like Frank's at. not it. Yeah. But yeah, Frank okay. wasn't a snitch option. Sheldon is that asshole from the first episode. I Gerald is the guy that I convinced Damon was the snitch. But what happens later is that like in the text messages. Like you can read the messages between Damon mm-hmm. and and this guy, and he's like, "No way, dude! It wasn't me." Blah blah blah. That's I what like, I got to. And I was like, "Wait, but yeah." But I figured, like, of course he's gonna say that. What is this? is a snitch gonna be like? Oh yeah, it was me. Like, come on, that's fair. That's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the the whole the whole episode, I was a blubbering mess. I cried more during this episode. I mean, I'm talking like tears on my face. Sometimes my face got a little like contorted because I was trying not to ugly cry. Uh, it was very <laughs> emotional for me. Uh, but one of the first things, so I was kind of riding that emotion wave. But one of the first things that really took me out of the experience, I know it's part of the in-game shenanigans, but when you can graffiti the dad's desk, yeah, call it, like the booze drawer, yeah. the, I'm like, you know no. what I mean? I feel like. If I was in that de- like in that room, everything I picked up, I would put back down. I, I would be wearing gloves because he's a fucking DA. Like he probably going to fingerprint all of that stuff. Yep, uh, you are smarter than Chloe. Yeah, uh, and so I was like, really at that point, I was like, okay, this is just a game. Like this is just something to mark off, like on the like achievement, the trophy, whatever, whatever. Uh, 
That's all. That's like one of my only issues. No, I'm glad you brought this up because there was, I think there was a turning point in the storytelling of the DA at the very beginning of the episode. Because when you are coming out of episode two, you're thinking like when you meet her dad in their house for dinner, you're thinking this guy is like a bona fide asshole, right? Like, like he's a prick. He's cheating on his wife. He's kissing some random girl in a park. Like you don't like this guy. Um, and so you come into episode three kind of, kind of heated about it. And then you get the whole story and you hear about his love and his compassion for his daughter and how he made this tough decision to leave this woman that he obviously cared very deeply for because he knew it was the best thing for his daughter's well-being long term to get her away from an addict uh, as her parent. And like, I feel like it really changed my opinion of him as a character to the point where I was like, okay, I, I think I can be on your side now. And it, it, I just kept having conflicting opinions about like snooping in his office and going against his wishes. I mean, obviously this, it leads up to what the ultimate decision will be, which we'll get to in a little bit. But like I, during that scene, I, I, I know exactly the feeling you're talking about, Brittany. It felt wrong that I was graffitiing his desk because I, felt like I was on his side now. At that point, I was like, I'm snooping into your things, but like vandalizing Yeah, but then you death? find, I mean, granted, I agree with you guys. Like I did think the graffiti there was a little bit much, especially because it's on the, like I thought she was going to draw on the bottle of the sherry, like the sherry bottle. And I was like, that would have been okay. But like drawing on the desk was like, all right, girl, calm down. Um, But when I feel like it starts to unravel when you're in the office, like his, his, good guy um halo because you find the letters right. that he's never given chloe and then and you find the voided checks that she's stopped cashing for about a year i think um so like you start to see that yes although he had good intentions from the start it's sort of becoming twisted now into yeah. And something more negative. And then you find like the money stash and then you yes. realize that like he's been in cahoots with damon for something like i didn't feel like that was entirely explained why the two of them are like have like a why he has a burner phone connected to damon and the two of them are like in cahoots or whatever but i, I just feel like that was, whole be, sorry go ahead no no i just feel like that whole like like so i never quite trusted him like yeah like the beginning of the front half of episode three was kind of like okay well he's doing it for his daughter but like i kind of got a sense that like okay if he's willing to like cut this woman out of his daughter's life like what else is he willing to do because he had that if you're if you snoop around the house at the end of episode two he has a file with like sarah and frank in it like sitting in his living room so it's yeah. like uh, what is what is going on here so when i found the money and i found the burner and all that other stuff and the evidence i was just like yeah this totally makes sense like it's a crooked da Seriously. Yep. I mean, I can under, like, yeah, I, I was like, I get it. You want to protect your daughter. Like, sure. But then when I'm like, okay, you're working with, like, this guy you're trying to catch that you're telling everyone you're working so hard to catch. You want to take care of her. I'm not sure. Obviously, I don't think James wanted Damon to kill off Sarah. I think he just, because he injected her with drugs, right? It's not all he did later on in the. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. It's, it seems to me like it's for, uh, well, her father being one of the one of the bigger examples of this i think one of the messages of 
before the storm in general has been how like good intentions, like intentions that are, that are, that are good and that are and actions that are carried out because you want to protect someone or for the benefit of someone else. Like you may think like, yes, this is the thing that I have to do to protect this person, but how very easily like the road to hell is paved with good intentions, like how very yeah. easily your intentions can warp and how badly those intentions can warp you. Like I'm thinking about, um, I'm thinking about Rachel's, Rachel's dad, but I'm also thinking about like Elliot. That's his name, right? Yeah. Elliot. Oh my which is, God. Which is I, the next. I didn't like that. This scene, I have not, I have not felt so uncomfortable in a scene. So I actually like, was kind of triggered by this scene because I had something similar like this happen to me. Like when I was like younger. Um, so this scene made me very, 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 very anxious, but I think it's one of those, like it's one of the, one of the scenes in this series in the, the before the storm series that I think has probably been more well written. Like it was very scary. It was very tense like Chloe trying to like, like you have the option. Like you, I think you can only, you only have like one shot. You can either convince him to be like, Hey man, it's okay. You can tell him everything that's going on, which I did. I elected not to do. I don't know if you guys. Yeah. I didn't tell him. Tell him either. Cause I was like, number Brittany. one, the fuck out of yeah, my Brittany, business. What's the next I don't decision. care about you. I forgot who you were. And then you showed up at the hospital with this dumb hot dog stuffed animal right. balloon thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, you exist. Bye. Yeah. And he follows. And so, so he me. follows. So Elliot follows Chloe to Rachel's house, comes into the thing and is like, Chloe, what's going on? Uh, I, 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 I care about you. Tell me what's going on. And if you don't tell him what's going on, he gets violent in a way that's mm -hmm. very much like I care about you more than anyone else. And you owe me. I've given you yep. my emotions. You owe me yours, which is an incredibly scary incredibly like just like real weird like awful thing that that happens and you can kind of see like in the first episode when he was like hey you want to go to the play together i was like okay like this relationship is probably not going to survive the the series and every time you interact with him chloe's like no no i'm sorry not now and i was kind of like i really hope this doesn't come back to bite me in the ass and i didn't think about it i was just like sorry elliot not today bye and then that scene happened in Rachel's house and I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, I, yeah, this is, I screwed this up. Um, what's the, what are the decisions around that? So there's no stats on that. Um, oh. Yeah, which is. Because it's a back talk. It's a back talk. Uh, yeah. Um, Wait, did you fail this too, Andrea? That back talk? Yes. I'm pretty sure. You you only get <laughs> so one happened? shot. I'm pretty sure I failed every back talk. Um so does he like figure it out? Well, no. He starts asking you questions and you uh as Chloe have some options to get out. You can either try to walk past him at which point he stands in front of you and then locks and turn locks the door and turns on the alarm system and is like no one is leaving this room until you understand what I'm telling you, which is and fucking scary. And then he he shove her. He shoves her. Desk. And he's he like, why her. did you make me do that? Yeah. Yeah. Very like, like super, right, super toxic masculinity bad. And then you have the opportunity. What I did as Chloe is I secretly dialed like you dial 911 on yeah. the burner phone and yeah. you leave it open. And depending on what you say, you're trying to get 
to alert the person on the phone where you are and what's happening without him figuring it out. And I fucked it up immediately. And he was like, what? And like, it got really violent and, and bad. And I guess you just like have to leave or whatever. But it was really upsetting. Oh, I successfully dialed nine or like sn- sneak dialed 911. Mm-hmm. And then it like it ended because we heard the sirens. Yeah, same here. And oh, see, I broke like, a window. Cops. I broke the window too. I had to break the window. But oh, you had oh, the really? sirens show up, Steimer? Yeah, like so like it's like woo woo, police are here. And then I think you kind of go like Oh, you like shove him back in the room and you like run out and you're like, take care of his body. <laughs> oh, just, like, so what happened or, to me was um I heard the sirens and he's like because to win the back talk, I just kind of played like the the victim in the sense that I was like, I'm suffering, yeah. Elliot, and I need your help. What you blah, blah, blah. Um, and so he's like, Chloe, the sirens are here, but it's okay. I'll take care of everything. We'll be fine. And so I'm just yeah. like, okay. And then um, he opens the door. Or she opens the door. I can't remember. And then she just kind of like walks past him and sneaks out. And I think he's feeling like, okay, I'm going to take care of this. I'm the big bad guy, blah, blah, blah. And then meanwhile, you make your escape. So- and then shove him. So then I can't remember if she shoved him, but I remember like it wasn't a walk out the door. It was like as soon as he opened the door, she kind of bolted and was like, bye. So, Brittany, in the final montage that shows the status of all of the characters at the end of the story, what was Elliot doing for you if you kind of got him to think he was saving you? Oh, I didn't see this. I didn't see that either. Because in mine, after I, after I, you know, like uh-huh. broke the window and ran and basically the whole time was like, sorry, dude, sorry, dude. The last time you see him, he's packed up his entire dorm room. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he yeah, oh, sorry, the photo. Because yeah, yeah. he's been kicked out of Kicked school. out of school. And he ripped the photo in half. Freak. So yeah. it sounds like it was the same ending. But yeah, same oh, okay. thing being a creeper. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was scary. That was a really scary scene. I have... Was- I'm conflicted about this scene for a couple of reasons. Um, I appreciate that, you know, they are tackling a very like real issue that, that people go through, but I feel like I got more upset at the fact that they gave so much time in this episode to Elliot, this character who really doesn't play into the narrative, the main narrative that's happening right now took this entire scene to essentially make him a throwaway character. He's been a throwaway character this whole series. Well, the reason, like, I actually feel like the reason that they did this, because this whole thing sneaks up on you. I don't think anyone really saw this coming. It sneaks up on you. It drags on. It's dangerous. It's tense. People who, like, go off the deep end and, like, people who, like, do these things, like, nobody ever expects anyone, like, everyone expects everyone to just be a decent human being. If you're friends with someone, like, like, this is a classic example of, like, Chloe not seeing the warning signs or maybe Elliot not getting the help that, that he needs. Like, these kind of things happen out of the blue. So I can understand why they took a throwaway character and were like, and now this thing is happening because that's how these situations happen. If it had been someone like Nathan, I feel like we would have all expected it because that's, because it, it, it's, it would have been too neat. It would have been putting a little bow on something and, and here's more bad behavior from this guy. You expect to have bad behavior. Chloe didn't expect one of her friends to do this to her. So I can see why they wrote it this way and why they structured it this way. Interesting, because what I was wondering, I mean, that makes sense. Um, I was like, okay, how the hell is Chloe going to, how is she going to get out of here? She's clearly put her fingerprints all over everything. She's drawn on the cabinets, like money is missing and he's a DA. He's going to figure it out. And then when I saw Elliot in there, I'm like, okay, this is really tense. But I was wondering, is this just an easy scapegoat for Chloe? Because they're going to obviously think that Elliot was one who broke in. 
I mean, assuming they're not going to dust for fingerprints or anything like that. But um, I mean, that too. He's going to save yeah. the situation. <laughs> um, I want to backtrack on a couple interesting things that happened that we didn't talk about. The first one is in the hospital. Did you listen in on the conversation about Nathan Prescott? No. Yes. Oh, I did not either. What is it? Um, do you remember? Okay. What I remember of it now, I was a blubbering mess. It was, was it a psychiatrist that the doctor yes. was trying to convince his father? He's like, Hey, basically your son is showing a lot of warning signs. I'm worried that he's mentally ill. Like some really bad shit could happen. And the dad's like, my he son is help. totally fine. There's nothing that my son needs. And then they, they shut the door and you can't hear anymore. But oh that my was God. Some terrible foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, yes. The other thing in the hospital was when you are playing D and D with Mikey and Drew and Steph as Chloe, there comes a point in my playthrough. And I talked about this earlier where it's just you and Mikey and you're surrounded by all of this evil and it's Mikey's like, okay, I can do something, but it's gonna, it's gonna kill me or all of us or you. And Chloe says something and I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was again like foreshadowing to the end of life is strange where she sacrifices herself for Max for Max for the world essentially. And she's like, Hey, you know, you, if, if one of us, at least one of us should make it out of here, blah, 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 blah. And like, again, it was much more moving than that. But I would encourage you to go back and watch that, listen to her dialogue during that moment, because it's a gut punch, because it's almost like she knows what's going to happen to her. Granted, she doesn't, but it was a it was a very hard moment. I definitely need to yeah, play that was this the, episode again. Yeah. The thing that um, I, I never cried or was even like close to crying, but it did like give me a sad when you're, you know, you're, she's like, you know, Chloe, you're, it's going to take more than that to you know, get rid of me. And you're like, all these things were like, oh, we, we almost lost uh, her, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you guys have no idea. Like, also uh, like, you're about to. Also like Rachel's biological mother is addicted to like opiates. And that's what Nathan overdosed her on and killed her on, which is ironic and awful. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this all takes us to you after you have this information, you go to the hospital and you can either reveal the truth to Rachel or, well, actually, no, a lot happens. Sorry. You meet up with Sarah and Damon's there at the mill. At the old, the yeah, the old burned down mill. Yeah. And, uh, you have, I had the money for Damon. I'm not, does everyone have the money for Damon? Yes. I yes. had given the money to Damon previously in episode no, two. The new money. The money from the office. Yes. I had the money. The bigger money. The bigger money. And so it happened in my playthrough. I'm pretty sure it was like the same for everyone. You walk in and Sarah's tied up and Damon's like about to inject her with heroin. I'm assuming is, I thought it was like a death drug or something that would like kill her, but I thought he was going to overdose her. That's, on that's what I thought too. too. Um, and you walk in and you're like, Hey, I just gathered up the courage. I have your money. It's everything's going to be fine. It doesn't have to go out this way. And your, your plan is Chloe, obviously. And, uh, obviously that doesn't fly well. And then Frank appears you see the last thing you see before Chloe passes out um, by being hit is basically Frank and Damon fighting and Sarah just kind of slumped over in her desk. Correct. Did I mm-hmm. miss any important details? No, that is essentially okay, that it. Is it. And then this was weird because you wake up and I thought this was like a dream sequence. I did too. Okay. I was like, this is surely not real. No. And she's dead because like, why would you just inject someone with a normal amount of heroin? Yeah. You, you, <laughs> and she's just sitting there like smoking a cigarette and it's kind of like hazy and there's like echoes, like the things that would make you think like this is a dream sequence. Um, right. right. Similar to the ones with her dad that she's had several times throughout this episode. Right. And then Chloe and Sarah have a conversation. Sarah's essentially like, please don't tell Rachel 
that this happened. Please don't tell her, blah, blah, blah. She needs, don't tell her about her father. She deserves to have a good father. She deserves not to have that taken away from her. Please don't tell her anything. A lot, a lot, a lot. So at this point, which is baffling to me, I thought that I had romanced Rachel because we had talked about it so many times, but clearly I had not because I had Rachel's bracelet. And so at that point, before Sarah was able to walk away, I was able to give her the bracelet. See, I didn't get I didn't the bracelet. Have that. No. I didn't have the bracelet from episode two. I didn't, I didn't, right. I didn't. Because you guys kissed her, right? Yeah. yeah, we kissed. Yeah, so I took her bracelet and I was able to give her the bracelet. And that's that a shitty thing for them to do to make you to, to get the better ending where, where, where you have the bracelet by not kissing her. That Wait. makes me mad. Wait, how is that the better, the better ending? Because We're you get a th- scene at the end where Rachel meets Sarah. If you have, the, only if you have the bracelet, only if you have the bracelet, it's what like, the it's, fuck? sorry, it's Chloe. So it's Chloe and Rachel on the bench, this, the iconic bench in our, uh, Arcadia Bay. And, uh, Sarah just kind of like walks out of the woods in a sense. And Rachel's like, ah, and then they hug and they embrace and it's really Are you sweet. Fucking kidding me. I'm not. That's not, nine games. Good. That is a dirty. That's so a dirty here. trick. That's a dirty <laughs> trick. Yeah, that makes me Especially upset because it's theoretically harder to kiss her than it is to get her bracelet. It is. It's so harder like, to kiss her. Why do I? I worked yes. hard for that fucking action, and now you're gonna punish yes. me? <laughs> so just like real life, Jesus. Yeah. Just like real life, Slimer. Just I like don't real know life. if this came. <laughs> I don't know if this came into play when they were making the decision that the only way Sarah gets to meet Rachel is if you give her the bracelet. But because in, in life is strange, even if you romance Rachel and before the storm, you know that relationship's doomed anyway. Because she right. hooks up with Frank and she hooks up right. with Mr. Jefferson. I don't yes. know if that came into play there, but uh, anyway, I got that scene in the end. But we're skipping ahead. Did you tell Rachel the truth? No. Yes. Fuck that bitch. No. <laughs> I, t- I told her the truth. So yeah, it's really close. 49% of people told Rachel the truth. But fifty one percent did not tell Rachel the truth. Wow, so it's pretty I'm split. really mad. Yeah, that was kind of a hard decision. I'm really make. mad. What <laughs> what happens when you tell her? When you tell her the she truth? She freaks out. Yeah. She, yeah, she uh there's no words ever really spoken besides you see Chloe starting to say, like, I gotta tell you something and then it kinda like fades out and music plays Rachel's, like expressions. They like, talk. It's inc- yeah, it's incredibly well done. I would encourage that you watch it and like the look that look of like just pure pissed offness in Rachel's eyes as her dad comes in. It's just like gut wrenching. They yeah. did such a good job at nailing that moment. Um, but I don't think that changes really the ending at all. Yeah. So before this decision, I left the screen on and I, I went to the internet and was like, what do I do? Internet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, which ending do I pick? Cause I kind of knew what I wanted to do, but I wanted to know like what happened. So I'd like looked at the walkthrough mm-hmm. of, uh, of all the different endings, which is how I found out about the bracelet thing. And I knew that I didn't have the bracelet and I was like, this Mother is bullshit. Fucker. Um, so I decided to just go with the ending. Cause I like in my mind, I'm like, I knew that Rachel was going to die so I was like, I know that she's going to die relatively soon, a couple of years. And so I'm going to spare her. I'm like, it'd be different if I, I think if I knew that she was going to live or if I had the even the perception that she was going to live a long, happy life, that she would eventually find out the truth anyway. And so I would have told her the truth. But I was like, she's only got a couple of years left. Let her have some bliss with a happy family and not have the strife and the anguish. And so I didn't tell her. 
Yeah, that was kind of my thought too. So how'd that scene play out? You two. There's no point in telling her this. Like, just, yeah, exactly. Like, let her have some moment of happiness. And also, I don't know, I I guess this whole, the whole time, and especially in this episode, um, I felt like uh, I started to dislike Rachel because Rachel to me is what Chloe is in life. And I, I find this interesting. I think Chloe's probably end up mirroring Rachel's behavior um, after she dies because Rachel pushes and manipulates Chloe a lot, especially in this episode. Like, Oh, please, please find my mom. Like, fuck, ask your fucking dad. If you really want to meet her that badly, like just ask your father. Eventually he'll probably get worn down. He'll let you meet her. Um, mm-hmm. But instead, like, forcing Chloe to go through all these, like, extremely dangerous, obviously, she gets stabbed, like, Rachel gets stabbed in the arm, almost dies, and then she's like, but I still want to find her, so can you go, you know, hang out with the drug dealers again and, like, try and figure this out? I got stabbed, almost fatally stabbed, but, like, you should be fine, go ahead. Um, And I felt like Chloe does similar stuff to Max in Life is Strange, where she doesn't have a lot of regard for their, like... The other person's life. And like, hey, when a Max uses her powers, she has nosebleeds. She's clearly physically affected by this. But keep using them because it's benefiting me and I want to get to the end of this road. Yeah, uh-huh. Chloe learns that emotional manipulation from Rachel. Yeah. And so I just I, I did find that interesting, but it also made me angry. <laughs> I was like, mm, evil people. Right. I don't like it. I, I was so torn of, with emotions at the end of it because, like, I was mad at Rachel for, like, sending me out. And then I was mad at Sarah for asking me to not tell Rachel. And then at the end of it all, like, without Rachel getting to meet Sarah, like, I think my biggest takeaway and what was, like, really sad for me and, like, even, like, seeing them happy was that, like, I didn't get to see enough of them being happy together I didn't get to see them not in like strife and not like I didn't get to see them enjoying each other's company and getting to hang out. Like that's why I really loved that scene in the junkyard because it was like this one moment where it's like they got to share this like moment of happiness in like an otherwise kind of bleak narrative experience for them. And and that was um that was tough. Um, how did you guys feel about the ending? Let's, the, the, the credits sequence aside. You mean the scene after the credits? Yeah, before, Mm. before we get there, how did you feel about the way that it ended after you made your big decision? I'm so fucking mad because I didn't get, didn't have the fucking bracelet so I couldn't meet her fucking mom. (laughs) So that's part of the reason why I told, why I told Rachel the truth was I'm like, okay, I know this girl only has like what, three more years to live. I'm like, that sucks. Clearly, like, you know, she knows that her, she just found out that this mom is like a thing that exists that she never knew she never knew. Um, and I was like, all right. So if I teach her, if I like tell her like, Hey, this is what's going on. Your mom is out there. Your dad's been a shady asshole. I'm like, if I don't tell her that she's not going to be able to meet her. So I'm like, all right. And I may or may not have looked online and learned that if I see, I'm not the only one. (laughs) Wait. Um, So if you, if you had given her the bracelet, but it had not protected her she wouldn't have met her i don't know that i don't know that the part oh, okay, i looked okay. up was um the the conversation with sarah and chloe because i thought that was like a dream sequence 
So I looked at the, like the spoilers of your decision you make during that after the scene had already played out, and it said, "Note that as Sarah leaves, you can give her the bracelet, and this will trigger a scene at the end of the game where uh, Rachel gets to meet Sarah." So I mean, knowing how the game was going, knowing her fate already, I was pleased with my ending because she did get to meet her mom, and that was kind of my ultimate goal. But uh, I knew there wouldn't be a lot of happy people <laughs> who didn't have the bracelet to give her. Yep, that was me. I feel like I feel like after Before the Storm, their relationship makes more sense because both of them come from essentially broken homes where they don't trust yes. their parents. Um so that makes a lot of sense, but unfortunately like it like it does explain a lot of like a basically how shitty Chloe is in the main game because she was emotionally manipulated for so long and now she's pushing these behaviors on max but also like her whole support system which was just this one other girl is gone gone yeah. like yeah that, like again like again her you know her dad being such a pillar for her losing him and then yeah like being like okay well you're sort of a replacement for me just person i one person i trust and then her to have her gone as well and that's the other thing about her dad like the last conversation she has with her ghost dad is her being like did you ever lie to me? Like she starts to question whether or not the good relationship she had with her father when he was alive was a lie or not. Like she starts to question everything, seeing how basically every adult around her is lying or or hiding or hiding something or is being manipulated or like Rachel's mom just being totally complacent in these awful things that are happening. So Chloe, by the end of this, this series doesn't trust anyone and I think the most upsetting thing, my, the most upsetting takeaway for this series was not necessarily knowing that Chloe found this person and Rachel's going to die, but like just how shaken Chloe's faith was in literally everybody. The fact that she's questioning her memories with her father, who we've up till now seen like her father was her rock. Like she loved her father, like his, his death completely broke her and having her go back being like, well, did I have the kind of relationship I thought I had? Just just crushed me i also think though that they don't that chloe doesn't give joyce enough credit like they've never mm. set joyce up as anything other than a dedicated loving mother and no matter what she does chloe just continues to push her away and that is incredibly frustrating for me because i see you know parallels to people that i know in like real life and like yes. having these situations you know, and I'm, and I'm just like, but like, Joyce is there. And like, to the, this idea that Chloe is perpetually alone, that she lost her dad and lost Rachel and lost Max. Like, no, Joyce is desperately trying to be there for her. And yeah. she just keeps pushing her away. And that made me so angry. I'm like, don't do that to your moms, everybody. Your moms want to be in your life. Let them be there. Call your mom tonight after you listen to the mm -hmm. podcast. Oh my god! I finished. I finished this episode when I was home in Connecticut, and after I finished it, I like wandered out to the living room where like my dad was watching TV, and I was just like, "Hi, dad!" And he was like, "Did you play something sad?" And I'm like, "Yeah." That's so there was funny. A dad in it. I called like, my mom after I finished that episode, and I, she doesn't know shit about games, you know, but she acts very interested, like a good mom. And I'm like telling her all this backstory. I talk about 25 minutes about Life is Strange and this game and how it affected me. And she's like, oh, wow, honey. Oh, wow. Well, she's like, go have some whiskey and go sit in the hot tub and just, you know, like, calm down. I was like, okay. But That's it's amazing. true. God, those scenes with her dad wrecks me every time. 
just an emotional, very like visceral episode. It was there's nothing nothing good happened in this episode except for when she met her mom. Mm-hmm. And that was just in my place. Except that didn't happen for three quarters of us. So the final statistic yeah. is eighty eight percent of people uh for eighty eight percent of people, Rachel did not meet her mom and only twelve percent met her mother. That to me is a giant fuck up. I That love, is a fuck up. I love this game and I like Deck Nine a lot, but to me when you have a choice like that that's so one sided and when I played it was ninety one nine. Like ninety one percent of people, yeah, had not met her, and I'm like, that to me means that something in your pathing, in your narratives branching, you fucked up somewhere, right? Also, that's not fair to tell players that you have to work hard to get the kiss in episode two, but if you work hard to get that thing in episode two, you still can't get the thing in episode three. That is not fair. And it doesn't make it, sense. No. I mean, I feel like because I have the bracelet, I feel like if I was like Rachel's girlfriend, I could be like, Sarah, Rachel is like a beautiful person. I love her so much. Here's a photo we took of each other or something that would keep the wheels turning in Sarah's head. So I understand your frustration. It just seems odd. Yeah. yeah. It was a it was a frustrating choice for I'm me as really a player mad. that um not only did I not know the significance of the bracelet in the moment but that they would lock off such a huge impactful choice behind something in a previous episode so that I'm forced to go back and replay not just episode 3 but I had to replay episode potentially 1 and 2 to make sure that I have the right choices lined yeah. up to be yep. able to get the bracelet um, instead of the other option. And it, it, it was, it was tough. But I will say as tough as that was not getting to have that moment with Rachel and Sarah, that post credit scene was oh, unnecessary. Devastating. I don't think it was unnecessary. It, uh, I think they needed, I think we talked about this in our last spoiler cast that they, we were like, how are they going to connect it? How are they going to get from where we are in episode two to like what we know happens in Life is Strange. Oh my god, it just hurt. It just I, hurt. I, I apparently missed this. I need to go on YouTube and watch it. Oh, you what? didn't see oh, it? Because, no. because what happened was I was playing this game and I had a presentation early in the morning. And so as soon as it was over, I was like, I have to go to bed. It's past midnight. So I like put the PS4 in sleep mode, forgot that there would be an end credit scene and went to bed because I had to. And so- then... The and now end, I'm like, oh shit, there probably was an end credit scene. You should watch it, but for people who are in your position that also didn't watch it, I'm going to describe it. Um, God. essentially it's a, it's a scene where, um, it kind of like fades up and, um, we see a phone that's like vibrating silently like someone's trying to call. It says Chloe calling. The missed calls. And we're in the basement in the dark room and you can see like the camera flash. You can like hear the pop of the camera flash in the background. And it's like the phone is just ringing. It's like missed calls, Chloe calling. And it's like, it like fucking pulled at me in such a way that it made me just like hurt. I, I was yeah. like, no. I don't, I don't think I've ever gasped. Like, I knew something was coming. No one had spoiled it for me, but I had seen people say, like, oh my God, that post credit scene, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, crap. I knew it was going to be a gut puncher anyway without reading those. So I had played through, and I had to break the game up in two parts because the third episode, because it was too emotional for me. So I stepped away. I come back. I wrap it up. I'm watching the credits. Then Jason and Reb, like, walk in. They're like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm all, like, <laughs> pinky puff eyed, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I love you, but can you just please like leave the room for Not a minute right now? And I'm like, because I have a feeling I'm about to have a moment. <laughs> so they left, 
And then I'm like, okay, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? I thought it would maybe show like a Chloe posting wanted photos of Ra- oh, missing photos of Rachel, you know, like the flyers or whatnot. Yeah. And then when I heard like the vibrating and the, I literally like put my hands over my head like this and I gasped so loud and my face contorted and it scrunched and I just started ugly crying. It was, it wrecked me. I completely wrecked it's me. It's too, I like, like you, I was expecting like her putting up posters or her being missing or something, but I feel like showing that image, like actually in the dark room, like maybe in the moment yeah. that she fucking dies, like is real. It was, it was too close. Like it was just close, too close. No, I think it was, I think it was a, a smart move because I feel like in life is strange Rachel is such an aloof character that she's so untouchable that you don't really know who she is. You have no connection to her. And then even when you find out, when Chloe finds out that, you know, like the body that they found is Rachel in the junkyard, it doesn't have that same weight that it does now that we've met Rachel, that we've seen Rachel, that we've seen this relationship between Chloe and Rachel. And like what happens to her and how she's brutalized I feel like is so much more impactful now knowing who she is as a person instead of her just being like a Jane Doe, you know, like, you know, and that's, I think why that scene was important to be like this terrible fucking thing happens to this, to this beautiful person who has this really unique relationship with this protagonist. And I, I think they tied it together in a way that they needed to without overstating it. No, no, so sad. I know, no, no doubt. Like it's, it's sad. It's tragic, and like it reminds me how, how I don't know if I'd go as far as saying that that don't nod jumped the shark in like episode five and like went off the deep end with what was happening in that story. Oh no, and that like Twin Peaks nightmare world. Yes, that was a shark. That was several sharks jumping all at once. But I. It, it, I feel like the work that the Deck Nine did kind of brought a little bit more legitimacy to that crazy story of this professor turned like pedophile photographer guy doing like rapey things in his basement. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, like that that whole thing felt a little bit far fetched, a little bit too like Law and Order SVU for a me. A little bit too Twin Peaks, <laughs> yes. Um, but with the way that they set it up now, you know, like it's. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking what happens to her. I went back and watched the scene where they discover Rachel's body again. I read some Wikipedia entries. Um, uh, Basically, uh, every time that Rachel is mentioned, I went through and, like, read that instance um, for Life is Strange. And now, yeah, like you said, Andrew, having that perspective, it's like, oh, like when Max finds that letter to Chloe where she's essentially saying she's found someone who's completely changed her life. She's talking about Jefferson. You know, every time you see the dough, that's a symbol of Rachel. And it's just like... Oh God, I want to play it again, but, um, I'm a little, now I know three years passed between Before the Storm and Life is Strange, but I'm worried like seeing the characters that I feel like have been, um, evolved in Before the Storm and then seeing them in Life is Strange. I don't know if that would dampen my experience. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was hoping that there was going to maybe be a moment between Rachel and Frank that set up their ultimate friendship or potentially more than a friendship down the line. Because obviously in Life is Strange, you know, you find the photos mm-hmm. of, of Frank and Rachel together and it indicates that they have some kind of a close relationship, if not a romantic. I assumed it was a romantic mm-hmm. relationship. It is, yeah. And so clearly, like, 
if you are, even if you're good friends, if not, you know, like uh, more than friends with Rachel at the end of this, she clearly leaves Chloe romantically between now and her death. Cause she also, you know, like is hanging out with Nathan and, um, there's certainly a lot that happens in those three years, and and, and that's life. Life can change mm-hmm. really dramatically. In, life, in you might three say, years. is strange. <laughs> that was great. It is. Um, but yeah, I was kind of hoping to see a little bit of, uh, like, even a, just like a like a one liner or something that mm-hmm. like opened the door for what's going to happen with with Chloe and and Frank, but. Alas. With Rachel and Frank. Yes. Yes. Sorry, mm-hmm. Rachel and Frank. Yeah, because yeah, that, that is a good point because. I mean, Chloe is the only one who really interacts with him throughout the whole thing. But somewhere along so the line, like, yeah, Rachel, you know, does a lot of drugs and she ends up with Frank and then Mr. Jefferson. And it's like, huh? I don't know if she does a lot of drugs so much. Like, I got the impression he would just drug them during the session. No, no, no. I'm talking when she like, was with Frank. Because I think it's, oh. is it Nathan? Someone somewhere suggests that Rachel's only with the dr- Frank for the ease of drugs and for the, mm. some, yeah, for the access to it, drugs. I didn't. Yeah, it makes me feel even sadder for Chloe knowing that because she does still talk. Like she never talks about her in a way that would suggest that she would be like that she would know that all this was going on behind her back. Meaning, like to me, I think Chloe thought they were still in a relationship that entire time, um, just the way she spoke of her. So then it kind of makes me like mad at Rachel even more that she would manipulate. This person that she claims to care about and claims to be like the only one who understands her and all of these things, but will go behind her back and I, sleep with Frank and like you know, whatever, do all this weird shit with Mr. Jefferson, yeah. which by the way is not a great idea. Mr. Jefferson didn't see that coming. <laughs> I didn't. No, I didn't know that. I, 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 I live streamed those episodes and I, my face at the end of that reveal was like, oh, like I just like freaked out. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. That yeah. guy, that fucking guy. <laughs> oh, man, yep. so many emotions going through yeah. me right now. All of the shows. Um, so we still have to check out farewell. Which is the little mini episode with, um, Max and Chloe with, um, the original voice actresses returning to reprise their roles. Um, I would say we could probably also do a spoiler cast about that. I don't think it's going to be nearly as revelatory as, as clearly no, these three episodes have been. <laughs> but, um, any parting thoughts, ladies, on Life is Strange Before the Storm as a whole? I do find it interesting that um, I think just something that we've kind of already stated, but to retroactively feel bad about a game I already played, like if that makes sense, like I didn't care that much about Rachel in the first instance, like it was a sad storyline, but you're like mostly sad just because the world is fucked up. Um, and now you're like, oh, you've given me context in a way that it changes a thing that I played before, but also doesn't make me want to go back and play that thing. Like I, I'm fine with the way that it happened, but yeah, I think I deck nine did a real, I don't know how the development process, went. I don't know if they talked with don't nod. I was like, do you have story for this? They did. Yeah, they did. Okay. They, well, they worked with don't a, a phenomenal job. And this is by far, it's been like the most emotional <laughs> game I've ever played. And it yeah. felt so visceral and so real for me because every character that you meet, I feel like I knew that person in high school. So it really yeah. uh, connected with me. It was just very well done. 
I felt like the writing was really, really strong. Like I actually liked Before the Storm a lot better than the original Life is Strange. Um, Hella. Hella. No, I thought, I thought the writing was really strong. I thought that they, they did a really good job making small mundane things or normal things seem really impactful and really, um, like I had a lot of anxiety playing this game, which means mm-hmm. the decisions were tough. So yeah. Yeah. The relationships felt real. The decisions felt based and grounded in reality. I agree that I've, it felt like it had a more natural flow overall than life is strange did. And I think that is also a testament to that. They kept it to three episodes instead of trying to stretch out um, certain story points into five episodes. I think the original Life is Strange could have probably benefited from being four episodes maybe instead of five. Um, But overall, like I named it as one of my top 10 games of 2017. Really excellently done. At this point, if you're still listening to us and you haven't played this game, I don't know what you're doing, but... um, (laughs) Really excellent, and I I I can see myself playing through this again and picking different choices and and, and seeing all the different cutscenes and the way that it played out. But it's rare that a video game makes you feel something so viscerally as Life is Strange did, and so for that, hats off to both Deck Nine and Square Enix for believing in this franchise and. For all the people out there who we met at PAX when we did our Life is Strange event at PAX West, who talked about how this series meant something to them. Um, it was really great working with Square on this project, and I'm kind of sad to see it end. But the good news... There's a sequel coming. Life is Strange 2 is happening. Yeah. We have no idea who's going to be in that game, but maybe we'll find out at E3 this year. Oh, boy. Fingers crossed. Would Video you ladies... Okay, quick question. So now that we played Before the Storm without any, like, supernatural elements, and we played Life is Strange with sort of supernatural elements, would you want Life is Strange 2 to have those or to not have those, or do you care? I hope it doesn't have them, because now they feel gimmicky, now that I've played Before the Storm. Mm. I feel like if they can tie it in narratively where it makes sense, um, like they did with um, Life is Strange... And have it not feel gimmicky, then I'm down. Down. I'm in. I'm into it. But yeah, I I don't need it. Yeah, they could do so. Like I like before the storm has supernatural elements to it, but they're just not playable. Like the fire, basically, it's more symbolic sure. than anything. So I think just so long as they have some element, they can do whatever they want with it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for hanging with us through this spoiler cast of Hell is Empty, Episode 3 of Life is Strange. We will be back next week with more video game commentary, analysis, and um, hopefully some funny stuff. Um, Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We hope you have a fantastic weekend. If you would like, please reach out. Let us know your thoughts about the spoiler cast um, in the comments below. We love you all. Good night.